0: Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I am Rich Craig alongside, as always, king of banter and yada, 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 nicknames, nicknames, Joe Lanza. Joe, how's it going?
1: Rich, do you have uh, all your permits in order? How many, what's the total occupancy? of uh of this podcast are we breaking any laws is this an unsafe um, environment for the listener i mean so, what's yeah happening?
0: no i did a, after this weekend's events i did secure uh, an official permit for uh, google hangouts and, and for our podcast in general um we i think on this podcast have had three uh that uh that's pushing it because it can get a little get a little heated in here like you're saying you know there's sometimes i feel the heat when you're uh when you're shooting on me or shooting on other people you know i get, I get a little uncomfortable so It's we're supposed to have three at max, but I feel most comfortable at two, and I think that's probably where we should always stay with two. I I
1: would I was talking listeners because you know I wouldn't want anyone to call the fire department on us and get the show shut down because we have too many listeners. I mean, is
0: that uh, uh, if there was a number to shut our show down, that would have happened a long time ago. I assure you that if there was any accessible number uh, that anybody could call to make us. Oh well, uh, you know, no, no! I mean, no, no. We're fine. I like our show, and many people do like our show. But there are people that that don't, and I think if there was an opportunity for them to shut us down, they would gladly take that opportunity at, at Rich a, at a moments' I, notice. So
1: I think some of the same people who wanted to shut down progress would have had us shut down. It's it's it, I think the Venn diagram on that
0: is <laughs> pretty uh, pretty good. We are going to talk about that here a little bit. I do want to give some background to people that uh, that are curious what we're talking about. But we have a lot to talk about this week. This is a, an absolutely loaded show. We got Takeover coming up this weekend. We got SummerSlam coming up this weekend. Uh, We got Heat Gates, as Joe sort of alluded to there. We got the G1 Climax Finals, which felt like an afterthought. I forgot. I was, like, done with my notes, and I'm like, I feel like I'm missing something big. Oh, yeah, New Japan had the G1 Climax Finals, and, like, one of my favorite matches ever happened over the... But it seems like so long ago because there's been so many other things, and and similar to other stuff that we have to do on the show. So I, I think we should get right to it. I do want to let people know, though, that the, this episode of the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast is not sponsored by anybody. It is an ad-free show, so it's a, a gift to you, the listeners, who, you know, there are some people that, that oh, I, I hate when you guys have the ads, yada, 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 whatever, whatever. <laughs> ad-free, that's all I have to worry about. But I do want to let people know, um a little bit of a plug here uh since we can't do any ads or we're not doing any ads this week i do want to let you know that we have a very good podcast network you're listening to our show of course the voice sourcing uh flagship podcast but we got a lot of other good stuff on that network too and we want to do a give those guys a little bit of a plug and, and and let them know about kind of what they're doing uh recent shows to hit this week i got the awesome everything everything evolves show of course they cover evolved really live um They released a show on Monday talking about the big Evolve weekend, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit as well. Uh, You got the New Japan Procast. They recap the final night of G1 and all things going on uh, in New Japan. You got Russell Go and that's with John in japan live from japan with his crew of we we kind of alluded to them a few weeks ago Uh, there's this big crew of guys and and, and girls hanging out in japan and and going to all these wrestling shows they've been to some ungodly number of wrestling like they've been to like 17 wrestling shows in a week or something it's just unbelievable but uh that podcast is is kind of recapping that's a live report from japan actually Uh, i got lucha the hidden temple which is one one of our favorites and one that i know um doesn't do the numbers that we think it kind of deserves because professionally and 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 how it's, it sounds like an amazing podcast. It sounds like one of the best podcasts, wrestling or non-wrestling, I've ever heard. It just so happens to cover Lucha Underground. and There are a lot of people who have sort of distanced themselves from Lucha Underground uh, in in the recent seasons or whatever, but I feel like even if you're just kind of a casual Lucha Underground fan, or if you're not a Lucha Underground, uh, Underground fan whatsoever, uh, Lucha the Hidden Temple I think is worth listening to just because those guys are entertaining and just because they do such a good job with it. It's nice and compact, about 30 minutes as well, so Lucha the Hidden Temple. Uh, Burning Spirits, they had a really good show that just released... Um, uh, today, or when most of you guys listen to this, will be uh, yesterday. Uh, Burning Spirits, and they were covering the DDT uh, Peter Pan 2017 show. Uh, so they covered that front to back with Jamie from Dramatic DDT, the uh, awesome uh, DDT fan site, the English fan site there. So, Burning Spirits, if you're interested in the DDT Peter Pan show, which is coming up this weekend, they do an ex- extensive preview there. And then, of course, you got Shake Them Ropes with uh, with Jeff and Rob. Uh, they're covering the busy weekend in WWE, SummerSlam, NXT. Uh, I'm sure they'll talk about the Baron Corbin Cash in all that other good stuff they're going into as well. Uh, with Shake Them Up. So, of course, we encourage you to subscribe to our network. Uh, search for Voices of Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts. And then if you can, take a few moments to rate and review us. That helps us get more listeners. And, and it helps us. It helps the Voice Wrestling flagship. It helps you know, Joe and I. But it also helps all those other podcasts, too. We have a huge network a podcast and, and and people doing really diverse coverage too we want to give them some extra love and get them some extra listeners and and get just this entire network a bunch of extra listeners so if you rate and review and you subscribe that will definitely help us out and get us up the leaderboards and all the other good stuff so of course go to voice wrestling.com uh to get the podcast on uh, the website but yeah we do encourage you uh however you get your podcast uh to search for voices of wrestling and subscribe to us there so Joe, I don't even know where the hell to start. It's like everything is pretty much of equal importance. Uh, I think
1: uh, we should get Heat Gate out of the way. Okay.
0: All right. So so you sort of alluded to it a little bit. I want you to give because people that aren't in our bubble, people that aren't on Twitter, maybe haven't heard of what's going on, a little bit of background of what Heat Gate and that name makes me cringe, but I know, you know, <laughs> you 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 specifically dubbed it that probably to make me upset because I hate when everything is blank gate, because you know, I, I won't get into that now, but um What's a little bit of background of Heatgate? Because I was thankfully not on Twitter all that much this weekend, so I kind of lost a lot of like the in the moment Heatgate discussion and arguments and all that sort of stuff. Which I'm I'm so glad because uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, for a little bit of background, people have no idea what the hell we're talking about, no idea what the hell went on, and no idea why we're calling something Heatgate. And it's not Dragon Gate, by the way. Sorry, Dragon Gate people, not Dragon Gate.
1: No, it's not the third hour, so it can't be Dragon Gate. Um, it can't be, you know, it's not crammed to the back end. The yeah, background. we have not
0: like, oh shit, Dragon Gate. Uh, yeah, Shingo, he's cool. All right, we gotta go. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, so Progress and Evolve held their, uh, double shot there in New York City this past weekend. We previewed it last week. And, um, the Evolve show, it wasn't as much of an issue, but, uh, apparently for the Progress show, um, it was very hot in the building, Rich, apparently, uh, to the point that, um, um, some fans uh, felt that it was uh, unnecessarily uncomfortable. Um, you're probably saying to yourself, okay, so what's the big deal? Um, it's kind of what I'm saying to myself. I, I, I just, it blew up into a story and I really think it's, it's, it, it's such a non-story that it became a story. Um, you know, apparently uh, you know, it's, it's uh, there was some controversy, whether progress oversold the building and, um, There were anywhere from believing what reports you want to listen to, anywhere from a thousand to 1500 fans at the venue. Um, It was very hot inside the venue. Everyone agrees that it was very hot inside the venue. There's no one who will tell you uh, that, that the temperature was not very hot inside the venue Uh, where there's uh, a bit of disagreement is whether it was uncomfortably hot or dangerously hot. Um, Now, most of the people that we've spoken to privately, um, and I've got some quotes handy uh, from many people who were there, including some friends of mine who were there, um, are, are telling us at least that it was uncomfortably hot. Um, but at no point did they feel any sort of vibe of danger or that their lives were in danger or there was an intimate threat that you know this could turn into a dangerous situation. Um Whereas, you know, if you look at some of the tweets that were going on that night, that you'd get a very different opinion that it was dangerously hot and that the uh, uh, some people were even suggesting that the show should be stopped, that it was uh, so dangerously hot in this venue and, and potentially because it was uh, overcrowded. Um, we did our due diligence, Rich. Uh, we do not claim to be journalists. I actually despise the word journalist. As you know, I'm not going to get into the reasons why. Um, but if you buy the New Japan uh, year in review, 2000. <laughs> 15.
0: Yeah, yeah, 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And read the Bobby Fish uh, I was say, I'm trying to remember if it was Bobby uh, Fish that you were talking about. Yep, it was. You'll, you'll, you'll
1: get my uh, full diatribe. As Wait, I what a
0: deep cut them. there. All right. So if you want to uh, know why I hate journalists, go read the, the New Japan book from two I years hate, ago uh, about uh, Bobby Fish. There okay. you go. Like, don't, don't no, 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 misquo- no, no, no. Don't say Don't tell people why. Let, I'm let, not going to tell them why,
1: but you misquoted me there. I do not hate journalists. I hate the word journalist. Got it. Okay. Because you
0: know people are going to run with that, Rich. People are going to say Anza hates journalists. And- well, if, if, if you said it or not, it doesn't matter. I mean, people just say whatever, <laughs> they go with whatever they thought they heard. Or now, there's a lot of jur-
1: there's a lot of journalists I dislike. I think that a lot of journalists, quote unquote, first of all, if you call yourself a journalist, there's a chance I don't like you, because there's also a chance that you're not really
0: a journalist. That yeah, there's about a ninety-five percent chance you're not really a journalist. Right,
1: say, and, and and <laughs> you know, you're, you're you're a blogger with 1,500 Twitter followers with a blue check mark and you're calling yourself a journalist. But people who call themselves journalists uh, in a lot of cases also, um, they're not true journalists. They will, in other words, a lot of journalists, Rich, quote unquote, chase the answer they're looking for as opposed to just chasing the answer if you're picking up my drift. Absolutely, yeah. And that and that drives
0: me nuts. And that's and I the think, opposite of journalism, actually. But, and you
1: know. that's the opposite of journalism. <laughs> right. but these are people that call themselves journalists and I think we had a lot of that in this heat gate situation. Um, the fact of the matter is, if, if, if I, was, I was following this. I had nothing to do that night. I'm sitting home. I'm on Twitter. The progress show is happening. And early in the night, Rich, the theme of Twitter was sort of a, man, it's hot in this building, but people were having fun with it. They were like, wow, this is like PWG.
0: Or Right, and it's a crowded building in New York in August it's like Correct. you know yeah you, you, you I, have to expect it's gonna if be- i'm coming to that show chances are i'm wearing shorts and i'm wearing a very light because t- i've been to multiple indie shows where i know going in okay that thing is gonna be hot as shit uh i'm gonna be prepared for it. I'm going to bring a big thing of water that I'm going to drink a ton of. Uh, I'm going to bring it into the venue. And then, I'm yeah, I'm wearing shorts. I'm wearing sandals. I'm wearing a light T-shirt. I'm not doing the jeans and, and hoodie. You know what I mean? Like, there's you got to be prepared for it. I mean, there's plenty that I've been to that have been super cold as well. I mean, I it's it, it works both ways when you go to a lot of indie shows. I mean, I have had plenty, probably more, of the shows where I go. And it's like, yeah, you better have, like, two hoodies and gloves because it's going to be cold as shit in that building or whatever, but you just be, you be prepared. And if I was going to a show in an older building like they were in in New York or pretty much any, you know, venue, more times than not in New York because they tend to be a little bit more of the older venues, I would go knowing, hey, it's it's August. It's going to be crowded. It's probably going to be pretty fucking hot there. I'm going to kind of be prepared for it. I mean, for better or for worse, I, you know, I want to be prepared for it because, you know, it's not – you know, I'm not going to a, a beautiful basketball arena where they're going to pump in – you know, uh, millions of dollars worth of air conditioning, every, you know, for while we're there, it's, it's an indie show. And, and you've sort of, that's sort of the contract that you sign with the indie, you know what I mean? Like, it's the yeah. indie contract that, like, hey, look, it's going to be a little more rugged. It's probably, a, you know, not that nice of a venue or whatever. Cool. I'm going to be prepared for it. So that's, you know, NYC August, you have to be aware of it. You know, temperatures are, are usually pretty high.
1: It's the middle of summer in New York City. I mean, you know, so, but, but I mean, look, if, if look, Evolve can't run Mass Square Garden. Okay. It would be nice if everyone could run MSG. You know, it, it's just not the reality of the situation. Uh, now, with that said, there's just not a lot of like, – this is going to shock you, Rich. So are you sitting down?
0: Uh, I am, yes. I, I don't stand like you. I'm always sitting. So
1: this, is, this might shock you, but there's not a lot of balance with this story. Should it's I stand
0: either, up for it and then it, sit down because
1: – I just want you ready for this shocker. Okay, all
0: right. I'm, okay.
1: That I'm opinion – that opinions on right, this... now building. I'm sitting
0: now. Okay, what's going on?
1: I want you to sit. I want okay. you to sit and be ready for this because it might shock you. Opinions on this story are on both sides of the extremes, Rich. There's not mm, a lot of okay. middle ground here to be had, which and might is, surprise you.
0: Some t- and a lot of this is happening on social media, you say?
1: I, I, it, it ha- yes, right, let exactly. Me get my,
0: let me get my notes here. All right.
1: It's, uh, the social media has taken to the extremes. You were either a pussy, if you cannot withstand these temperatures. <laughs> right suck
0: it up pussy all right slow or, i'm trying to write this all down that's right so hold suck on, hold up, on, yeah.
1: correct that okay. was the, that suck was the, it up got it that, okay. you, that was your that was one choice that you so had
0: so that's it's not a van either it's like a a, a grand, there's a line between these two right you can
1: make that it a Venn, crossed, but they're gonna right? they are going they could not be further apart and okay. <laughs> the other train of thought was you were condoning fans dying <laughs> If you were okay with people, uh, if you were okay with the conditions at this show. So it was either suck it up, you big pussy, or if you're okay with this, then you're okay with people dying and you don't care about safety. So as usual, there was no nuance. There was no gray. So, Rich, I said to myself as I watched this story unfold in just a ridiculous manner, there's only one show that can handle this with the nuance that was required a reasoned and well explained show and that's the Voice of Wrestling flagship because it's very often that we have to take these issues Rich and have explain and we have Sorry, to duty. <laughs> it is our duty to break these down in real world terms without the extremes which is what everybody tends to do okay there is a happy medium here in what happened at this uh, at this progress show uh, and, and, and it doesn't have to be the, look like I said Early in the evening, people were saying, "Oh, this must be what Ray Seda is like for PWG." People were saying, "Ah, oh, it reminds me of the old ECW arena shows." Which, Rich, I went to many. Um, I went to many of those shows in the summer, and it was fucking hot in that building. Uh, did I ever feel like I was in danger? No. If I felt like I was in danger, Rich, I wouldn't have went anymore. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? T- I mean, it, okay, we sweat a little bit. Okay, we're in a warehouse in South Philadelphia, a dump. Uh, you know, it's like you said, there's a certain expectation. Now, with that said, it doesn't mean that wrestling promoters should ever intentionally put their fans in danger or accept that their fans are in danger. The question here, Rich, was were people in danger at this progress show? And after talking to many fans who attended, after talking to all of the people involved, including progress, WWN, and the building, Rich. I don't think people were in danger at the show. I just don't. I think it was mildly uncomfortable. It was hot. People were sweating. And, uh, you know, I think that David band riled people up. And uh, it wasn't until David band started – uh going on a crusade on twitter that the tone of the night changed from oh it's wacky and hot in here this is crazy guys to oh my god someone's gonna die i mean i I mean you you take that factor away i'm sorry i mean we've had our issues with bix he's been on the show we kind of have a love-hate relationship with him but the fact of the matter is this was not an issue until bix made it an issue uh you know and he went out and dug up an old uh you know, uh, a CO permit to, to see uh, the occupancy of the building and it turned out it was from 1995 and now no one really knows. The, the, look, the building told some people that, they, that it can hold 1,000 fans, okay, in the bleachers. The building told us in an email that they can hold 750 fans. And they didn't specify whether that was just the bleachers or the bleachers and the floor. The building has two floors that are sort of co-joined with the bleachers. So there's some gray area there as to uh, if the occupancy of the upstairs is combined with the occupancy of the downstairs and if that counts for the entire entire – Look, no one seems to know how many people are allowed in this building. Here's what I know, Rich. Mike Johnson reported that the fire marshal was at the venue at some point, that's a big
0: deal, that, a big deal because that it, it's not the, uh, of course, you know, breaking news here. It's not the first instance of an indie show or a wrestling show uh, overselling a venue. I mean, ECW is notorious for doing that. Is is we would oversell the hell out of out of venues or whatever. But a lot of it is, you know, you pay off the fire marshal. You do all this. sort of stuff. If that guy is there, eh, you know, whether for better or for worse, if the guy is just kind of, you know, ignores it or, or doesn't matter. But the fact that he is there, he or she, I, I, I don't know who. Um, I don't know if we actually got a name of of the fire marshal or whatever, but that, that person was there is pretty important too, because it lets you know that they thought that it was a safe environment for people to be at. It wasn't like they, you know, locked the door and told the fire marshal they were at a different building and, you know, wouldn't let him in or whatever. Uh, It was an instance where that person was there. That person was seeing it go on. That person was in the heat. That person saw how many people were in the building. If they thought people were in danger, if they thought there was an issue they would have shut that down i mean paul Heyman talks about it all the time that there were some shows that a fire marshal said that, okay no this is ridiculous you can't do this or whatever hey, hey, Rich, and I, 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 at the plenty of times so yeah i went i went to a ecw arena show where i
1: we didn't get in right, because right, the fire, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. because the fire marshal shut down the door and wouldn't allow them to sell more tickets.
0: Yeah, and that's happened pl- plenty of times to uh, indie shows that I, I know of. I've never been you know, at the, the receiving end of that, but yeah, I mean, a lot of people have stories of that. So it's not like these fire marshals fuck around all that much. I mean, they, if, if they're there and they sense that, okay, this is a dangerous situation, there's too many people here, it's too hot, wh- whatever it may be, and that's another issue too. I think we're kind of conflating the, because there may have been 200 more people than what they're supposed to have, that's why it was so hot. And it's like, or you know what I mean? like, And combining those two issues of it being hot there being too many people as if those are completely causal like it was hot because there were too many people like it, you know it, that was kind of a weird thing that i didn't quite understand about this either it seems like it's two kind of separate things there was it a little bit hot versus was it a little bit oversold and the idea that both those things are directly related i, I don't know that to me seemed a little bit disingenuous or a little bit off the actual point it was like to be, I don't know what those two are hundred percent related. Are could they possibly be related? Yeah, absolutely. But the idea that because they sold more is why it was hot, or why people were you know having issues or are really upset. But like you're saying, more than the most people that we heard from, a lot of people we saw on Twitter, a lot of the stuff was yeah, it's hot, but it's an indie show and it's kind of hot or whatever. And yeah, it's like I don't want to go to an indie show where I'm drenched in sweat and and that's happening, but sometimes it just kind of happens, and if you're uncomfortable or, or whatever. You can get up and you can go. You can go ask for a refund. You can do whatever. There are multiple options there. You don't have to sit there if you're grossly uncomfortable or if you feel like you're in danger. You can go up and, and and move. You can go to a different spot in the arena. Uh, can, not only, you,
1: only that, Rich, you can go home.
0: You right, can, that, that's what I mean. Like, hold, you're, hold you're, this,
1: no, you can yeah, ask for your money back mm-hmm. and you can go home. This is why I don't buy for a second that people felt like this was a dangerous scenario and that people's lives are in danger. Well, because, number, because they number, locked the doors and they let because, anybody go. Like no, because, you, because number one, none of the fans that we spoke to, and oh, I am going to read you the quotes, none of them told us that they felt like they were in danger or felt like there was a vibe of danger in the building. Uh, in fact, the, my friends that went to the show, who I was texting back and forth with all night, when I brought it to their attention that there was a huge controversy over the heat in the building, they were taken back by that. And their responses to me were, yeah, it's warm in here, but, you know, then they looked on Twitter and saw what was going on. And they said, you know, Joe, it's warm in here. But there was, there's no tone here. There's no feeling that – there's no buzz in the building that, holy shit, we're all in danger. Right. There's
0: not hush-hush. You know, like right. people are talking amongst each other like, this is ridiculous. I can't believe this is happening. Like, we, Yeah. We, and that could have been happening in small pockets. But everybody that we talked to, which were multiple groups of people as well, it wasn't like you just talked to your four friends and that was it. We talked to multiple no. groups of people <laughs> that don't know each other that said, Correct. like, yeah, it's hot, but whatever. And, I mean, and, and,
1: and, and I'll read those quotes. Yeah, but,
0: right. But, but,
1: but but those friends were like, look, if you didn't bring this up to us, we wouldn't have brought it up to you. It, it was it was hot, but it was it's New York City in August. We go to concerts that are hotter than this. Uh, it was actually uh, what well, one of them said to me. He's like, I go to concerts all the time in New York, and I, it's a lot hotter than this. I got to take my shirt off. Um, but anyway, back
0: to my point. If if we don't if, need shirtless wrestling fans, though, don't do that. Just leave. please, please don't. <laughs> um,
1: you know, these are alpha male. Italians from New Jersey though, you know, yeah, they,
0: they, can, yeah, they, they're, any, they're, they don't need an excuse to take their shirt off.
1: But you know, but this idea that people felt like they were in danger. So I went to the promoter, I went to WWN. I said, how many people asked for a refund and left? You know, what the answer was rich zero, not a single person asked for a refund and left the building. I don't buy that. Look, if this was some super dangerous people who lie, now listen. I'm not. I'm not the one exaggerating here. People were saying lives were in danger. If lives, were, if people really felt their lives were in danger, why didn't they leave and get a ri- – rich? Are you going to stay somewhere if you feel like your life is in danger?
0: Oh God, no, no. And I've, I'm I've, not. No, like, I've been to plenty of concerts of and stuff uh, that, that I just go out. And, you know, and, and a lot of times I don't even seek a refund. I just kind of do a lot, you know, sunk cost type things. It's like, yeah, it kind of sucks. I really wanted to be here, but it's uncomfortable. It, it's, it's, it sucks. You know, I'm, I'm there with my wife or whatever. She's, you know, the nurse is, is, is annoyed of it too. Like you just get up and leave. And it's like, I don't need this. I, it's not worth, nothing is worth. That, if, if you really feel like your life is in danger, you're on the verge of passing out or that you're that horribly uncomfortable, nothing is worth staying. I mean, there is nothing in the world, even progress coming to America or whatever, is not worth staying. Or on the way out, I would say, hey, you know, this is ridiculous. It's really hot. You know, is it possible to get a refund or or, or something or whatever? And, and more times than not, a promoter is going to do that because they don't you know, necessarily – they're fine with that. They're not going to complain. I mean, there are, I'm sure, your fair share of any promoters are going to tell you to go fuck yourself or whatever. But we're talking about progress, we're talking about Dota Live. We're talking about these pretty big organs. They're not going to tell you to go fuck yourself and, and suck it up or whatever. Or if you'd really want, if you go, okay, look, it sucks. This is awful. I'm just going to leave. It's not worth it. If your life is truly in danger, the 40, 50 bucks you paid to come or whatever is not worth it. If, if you're going to pass out or if you're going to have some issues, just leave.
1: Not one fan asked for a refund. I asked how many fans. Uh, also, uh, there were EMTs and doctors at the building as per the New York State Athletic Commission. I asked how many fans asked to see a doctor or an EMT with uh, heat-related. Not one fan asked a promotion to see an EMT or a doctor based on uh, you know and an, any issue, let alone heat-related issues. Now, two fans, at least two fans confirmed, passed out slash fainted at the show. Uh, Now, obviously, I feel bad for those people. You don't want anybody to pass out or faint. Uh, I actually have a little anecdote. In 2010, I went to an Anarchy Championship Wrestling show in Austin, Texas. There are three indie promotions in Austin, Texas, Anarchy Championship Wrestling, Inspire Pro Wrestling, and Wrestle Circus. Uh, at Anarchy Championship Wrestling is sort of an ECW-inspired promotion. Uh, they run in an outdoor bar venue called The Mohawk. They've been running there for years. And uh, this outdoor venue in the middle of Austin in July, August, September.
0: <laughs> Not ideal, I bet. It's
1: well over 100 degrees. And it is uncomfortable and it is hot. And it is it is pretty awful. Uh, but you know that going in and, and, and you deal with it. Well, I was at an ACW show in 2010 in the middle of the summer. And it was actually a ladder match. I remember the match. It was uh, the Submission Squad. Uh, Matthew Palmer was involved in the ladder match. Uh, that's neither here nor there. But during that ladder match, I fainted, Rich. I fainted. Uh, my friend was with me. Um, it was just, It was hot. Uh, my le- I you know I started to see stars like like in a cartoon. Uh, my legs went out. My legs felt like just like they were jello, and I went out. And um, so I got up. I went outside. Um, I caught my breath. I went in the car, turned the AC on, cooled off, got myself some water and uh, went back in and watched the rest of the show and it was very scary. It's uh, it's terrifying to faint. Uh, you, you think you're dying in that brief second. So I feel for these two people who fainted. Um, but the fact of the matter is um, I'm not particularly moved by that in terms of how dangerous the building supposedly was because again, it was New York City in the middle of August. It's not unusual for people at a public gathering with fifteen hundred people around to faint, a couple, one or two people fainting in a group of fifteen hundred in a hundred degree building in the middle of the summer is not unusual. Rich, uh, if you've ever gone to a concert in the summer, uh, you know, uh, it, you know, it's like they're prepared for that. They expect people to faint and have heat stroke. Uh, you know, it, it's it's. It, I don't know. I, I, it's just. The, the, to me, it was rampant overreactions uh, uh, to the idea that a couple people passed out. Um, and again, straight from um, WWN, we were in complete compliance with the building and all regulations. Now, the wording is important there. We were in complete compliance with the building and all regulations because, Rich, as we've seen, the building is telling everybody something different. They gave us a different number than they gave Mike Johnson. They gave... Uh, you know, uh, other people do. The, the building doesn't know what their occupancy is. It's clear to me. Okay. So if you're a wrestling promoter and the building tells you you can sell 1,500 tickets, are you going to ask them to see their occupancy?
0: <laughs> yeah. Are I you mean, sure? We should probably sell less just in case, right? <laughs> I
1: mean, you know, you, they 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 were in compliance with the building. And WWN is on record stating that to us that they were in compliance with the building and all regulations. The building had four managers at the front door the entire show. There were four people who worked for the building at the show for the entire show. Do you not think, and they fire marshal. So do you not think if this show was oversold that those managers wouldn't have been shitting in their pants with the fire marshal there? Do you not think? The <laughs> yeah. fire marshal would have shut down the show if the fire marshal thought it was unsafe. The fire marshal didn't think it was unsafe. The four building managers didn't think it was unsafe. So again, it's just more evidence piling up that these were – I hope you're sitting down, Rich. Oh, hold on Rampant social media overreactions. Okay, All
0: right, I'm standing. All right. I am now sitting. Okay, go.
1: That these were rampant social media <laughs> overreactions. I mean – Hold
0: on. Well, let me re- – okay. So, so what, social media – Overreactions.
1: I mean, there's a hot okay. building. Right. The fire marshal's there. <laughs> they have EMTs there. They're following all the regulations. Yeah. The building managers are there. A couple of people fainted. Now, the, the the second person who fainted, I now, I tweeted this in real time. The second person fainted, and I got a text message from one of the aforementioned buddies that was at the show, and he said, someone just fainted, but I think he fainted because TK Cooper broke his leg.
0: Right. Because his ankle and leg is bending the wrong way, which would make a lot of people don't like bones, you know, being broken in front of them. So, yeah, that that. Yeah. Now.
1: So I tweeted that. I said, look, a second fan has I've been told a second fan has fainted and I don't know whether it's because of the alleged heat or the T.K. Cooper injury. I was even fair with the tweet, Rich. Because, you know, that's just my friend's anecdotal take on it. You know what I mean? It, he's not a doctor. Sure, yeah. It
0: could have been completely unrelated that he was about to pass out as TK Cooper broke his leg or whatever. Yeah, that's...
1: Right, because the TK Cooper injury supposedly was gruesome. The leg was pointing in the wrong direction, and it was a pretty nasty scene. Uh, let's just say, for the sake of argument, that that person also passed out because of the heat. We have two confirmed people who suffered heat stroke during this show. Um, out of 1,500 people, and you had 1,498 people. Well, 1,497 because Bix left. You had 1,497 other people (laughs) who had the time of their life. I mean, people love this show. It was just a little – and they they just happened to be sweaty. I mean, come on. Now, I don't think they deserve badges of honor for sitting there and sweating during a wrestling show. But at the same time, uh, the Twitter complaints don't match the reality here the fire marshal would have shut this down in a second if it was, if it was overcrowded.
0: But Particularly in New managers- York. Like, th- that's another thing we need to probably bring up, too, is this, we're talking about New York City, New York. I, I, I People that aren't familiar, I mean, they're, they're going to grease their pockets one way or A big city is not going to just say, yeah, whatever, you know, be lax with the rules, whatever. Like They're going to find some way, I'm sure, <laughs> to that if, it, if everything wasn't done exactly how they wanted it, to either shut it down, find them, do something like that. And, and what we heard is, and, and I don't know if you saw this as well, there were a few people... Um, I believe from Progress that said, hey, yeah, we're going to come back to America, but we're done with NYC. We don't want to deal with these commissions anymore. We don't want to deal with this, this, this commi- you know, th- we're, we're, we'll come back, but I don't think we want to do the New York thing again because it is so hard just to even get a show off the ground. Just a wrestle in New York City is a pain in the ass on its own, let alone Get the building codes, let alone find the, out the capacity, let alone have a comfortable environment, let alone staff the amount of people that you need to staff that the commission requires. And having the EMTs on hand, like doing all sorts, it's not like this was just run in some podunk town that said, Yeah, sure, knock yourself out, do whatever the hell you want. This is a big city, especially New York. They're going to make sure that every single measure is met before you even ring the fir- opening bell for the show, let alone when the show's going on. If it got to uncomfortable levels, don't think that they would just say, Ah, whatever, let it go. Th- that's not how. Big cities don't work that way, unfortunately, for better or for worse. You know.
1: speaking of progress, um, putting fans aside, I thought to myself, Rich, you know, um, if it was dangerously hot in the building, who would be the people most affected, right? It probably wouldn't be a fan sitting in a chair, it would probably be the athletes who were performing sure. in a dangerously hot building. So I went to progress and I asked. I said, uh, you know, we we heard the building was hot. Um, did any of your wrestlers or staff or anybody employed? By your promotion, um, suffer any heat-related symptoms or illnesses, or and I got a direct quote uh, from the people at Progress. Uh, We can confirm, and I quote, we can confirm that apart from TK's injury, uh, absolutely everyone who works for us left that venue healthy with no heat-related issues. So again, how dangerous was this building? I mean, how none of the wrestlers, uh, uh, you know, who are performing in this building under lights and everything else. Suffered any heat-related issues? None of the Progress' employee, the you know the ring crew, whatever else, whoever else I had with them, um, you know, small men out there with the mic, whoever you want to name, okay. No one associated with Progress had any issues with the heat. Okay, it was just a little warm, guys. It was just a little warm. Uh, th- th- this is this was such a non-story that it became a story, and it's leading off our podcast when we got G1 finals in Summerslam the weekend because people turn this into a story where there is no story. The proper officials were there. Uh, it was it was uh, conducted under all of the proper regulations. And two people suffered heat stroke. Two people out of 1,500 people. Rich, go to any concert in the summer in America, in the world. How many people are suffering from heat stroke? It's going to be more than two.
0: Oh yeah, no, I, I I can speak from the nurse. I mean, she worked at the hospital that's really close to Lollapalooza, which Chicago does every single year, and that is like all hands on deck for the ER that that entire weekend because it's like we are going to be full the entire time with people with heat stroke. Like this, there is going to be thousands of people that come in and out of this hospital with heat stroke. Now, do weekend. you now? So, do you do you want people having heat stroke at a restaurant? Oh God, no, no, of course not.
1: Uh, do, 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 is it ideal if they would uh, if these promotions would run buildings with air conditioning? Sure. Um, yeah oh, and, we're,
0: and we're not the I mean let's be honest, we're not the show that's gonna come here and say, oh, we love that indie wrestling is grimy and right. runs shitty venues and looks like shit all the time. No like you and I have always said get nice venues, get nice cameras, make the shit look nice. like make this a presentable thing. So we're not the podcast whatsoever that is gonna say wow, it's great when it's grimy and shitty. No we're, we're the exact opposite.
1: Yeah right, right. But at the same time, this is severely overblown. And I'll tell you, you know, the idea that the promoters are responsible for the safety of these people and everything else. I mean, if you want to stretch it, sure. But I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, it, it's, it, it's really overblown. And here's the other thing I don't like. Everyone's real quick to blame WWN but to let progress off the hook. And that is so transparent to me. It's because Gabe Sapolsky and WWN are whipping boys.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and Gabe's Trump, an easy target too. And Gabe's a, an know, easy target. Because a frumpy looking dude or whatever. So he, like, he's always been that way. I mean, He's, a wh- he's, I,
1: listen, yeah. he's an internet whipping boy. Yeah. Let's just call it like it is. Okay? Um, people like to bang on Gabe. He's, you know, for whatever reason. And Progress is the hip happening wrestling promotion that's trendy and, and vogue. And look, I like Progress too. I love Progress. But no one wanted to blame Progress for anything. And they all wanted to blame WWN for everything. Now, while it's true that WWN promoted the event... And, in fact, when we went to Progress, uh, they directed all, any and all attendance, occupancy, or ticket questions to WWN. They wouldn't answer them. They wanted nothing to do with it. They weren't touching that shit with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> right. And Rich, we ran
0: our show. We made our money. See ya. We're they, done, were, yeah. they
1: were pleasant to us. Could that have been a more pleasant exchange with those people from Progress? It was quite pleasant, yeah. I have, n- I have nothing but great things to say about them, but they did not want to touch any of that with a 10-foot pole. They would answer any of our other questions, but none of that. And why would they? WWN's taking all the heat. No pun intended. So let them, right? So, you know, we had to go to WWN for that stuff. Now, listen, I get that WWN promoted the show. I get that they booked the building, you know? So I understand all that. But I'm sorry. If Progress is running a show and putting their name on it, they've got to bear some responsibility too if you want to start pointing fingers. You cannot let them off the hook and solely blame WWN for this, okay? Because it's Progress's name on the marquee. I'm sorry. You can't blame one and let the other off the hook. If you want to bury people here, go ahead and bury them, but you got to bury everybody.
0: Yeah, and I I think a lot of it too, we are speaking about, you know, quote, burying people or whatever. The the facility has to be, you know, putting this too. It's not like this facility gives Gabe keys and go, yeah, whatever, knock yourself out, have a fun weekend like there are staff people there. So if there was anything that was that was not to you know up to code or not, you know, they didn't put on the air conditioner, or the bathrooms weren't clean or whatever. That that's not Gabe's fault. That that's not like he's promoting a wrestling show in this venue. He's renting out the venue. He is paying them for the chance to run a show in their facility. They, the facility is also responsible for doing stuff. I think people kind of lose sight of that too, that it's like, it's not like these indie guys just kind of, you know, get a key and, and, and then, you know, it's their little playground for four hours or whatever. That's not at all. I mean, the building you're renting a building because they are providing some of those, uh, you you know, some of those, you you know, amenities in terms of concessions in terms of bathrooms, in terms of, of all that sort of stuff. I mean, that, that comes to the building too, but nobody, it was all, all on Gabe, all on WWE. It was all Gabe, all Gabe, all Gabe, you know, it has to be Gabe. Let's target him. And, And like you said, it was super transparent of, of, people, you know, honing in on one particular person when there are many people that could have potentially been at fault for whatever it is you are considering them at fault for.
1: No, nah, they, don't, they don't want to blame the promotion that they like is what it comes down to.
0: Or the building that they don't know and don't have a Twitter account for.
1: Uh, right, right. And, and, and you know, I, I can't I
0: was, add the facility. I mean, I don't know what the hell the facility's name was even. What, what facility was it? Were they even running?
1: Oh, it's called, uh, let me look at the email. Um, it's I, not Laboom, is it? No, 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 no. This was a different venue. We should, we should probably have known this. Um, uh, right? Yeah. In our Speaking notes,
0: of, as we, as we spend thirty minutes talking about it, we nobody brings up the venue. Yeah, uh, you know, has the, no the, idea the, how what their occupancy is. But it's the Elmcore
1: you know. Youth and Adult Activity Center. Um, okay. And, and again, the email that they sent uh, Voices of Wrestling was that the uh, was seven hundred and fifty fans for basketball. We asked them uh, the question. We asked was. Actually, I'll just read it directly. Uh, What is the estimated capacity for a boxing event? I see there's a three-hour minimum rental of the canteen. Does the center provide employees to run the canteen during the event? And uh, would the the renter of the center be responsible for stocking the canteen? Because this is the water issue. Because they ran out of water at some point. But from all accounts, from people who work for our site who are at the show, they did replace the water at some point after they ran out of the water. Some people had no problem buying water all night long. Other people... Uh, you know, they did run out of water at some point, but then they replaced it. Here's the uh, answer from the venue themselves. Our capacity is about 750. Again, a very vague answer. <laughs> we do not rent out our concession stand. We charge $100 to open and stock it for events. So, um, again, I don't know if WWN paid this $100 for them to open and stock the uh, – the, uh, um, What's the word I'm looking for? The concession. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that information. Uh but again, that could be on the venue. If they were paid the money to open and stock the concessions and ran out of water, how's that on WWN? That you know, the deal is the venue stocks the right. concessions. They're out here, you right
0: know, here. walking around with a you know, a giant water jug and and yeah, it's like, yeah.
1: Yeah, so uh, the follow-up was the 750 number. Is this for the basketball court with bleachers? And would this include floor seating as well? And they replied, yes. So again, they told us 750. Um, they they told other people 1,000. I mean, there's just numbers all over the place. And then the night of the event, there was a report of 1,500 people there. The venue managers are there. The fire marshal is there. And nobody has a problem with it. Oh, and WWN tells us directly that they were within all... Um, uh, let me, I don't I don't want to misquote. Uh, we were in complete compliance with the building and all regulations. With the building and all regulations. And apparently, with the, uh, compliance with the fire department too, since the fire chief was there. So, uh, you know, what more do you want? You know, how is this, you know, it was a little warm. You know what this comes down to, Rich? David Bixenspan was a little warm at a wrestling show and went on Twitter and complained about it and caused a fire. I mean, to me, that's what this looks like. I mean, geez! I mean, come on! This is, this is this became so much more of an issue than it needed to be. This whole comfort at wrestling shows thing has been a hot button topic over the last few weeks, and and it, it, it's just it, this is the latest trendy way uh, to com- you know to complain about wrestling it is now comfort at shows. And look again, it would be great if these promotions could all run Madison Square Garden. They can't. You're going to go to an, uh, an indie show, you're probably going to go to a shitty venue. I, you know, and, and look, we've complained about it, but it is what it is. You have to have that expectation going in. And if, you're, if you really feel like your life is in danger, which is a very heavy statement to make, but there's a statement that people made on Twitter publicly. And in fact, and I quote from Gabe Sapolsky, I quote Bix is so crazy, he even texted me before the final two matches demanding we end the show because lives are in danger. You can feel free to report that, end quote, end quote. The fire marshal didn't seem to think so. The 1,497 fans who were there who didn't have a problem with the show didn't seem to think that lives were in danger. Here's a from a fan. I can see Bix's perspective because when I got there, it did seem ridiculously crowded and overpacked. Once the first match started, it was fine. He left. Most of us stayed and were fine, albeit soaked from sweat and chugging water like nuts. The only danger I felt was when I got back home and had to walk three blocks to my apartment with an insanely full bladder. And I've got more. I mean, fan after fan. None of them will say it publicly, by the way, because you don't want to encourage that segment of Twitter to accuse you of wanting people to die because that's the snap reaction if you say hey, yeah,
0: yeah which is yeah yeah like there's been now this thing where people are like oh yeah if you don't you know die at an indie show you're not a true indie fan or it's like no that's not what we're saying you know sometimes you're a little uncomfortable at an indie show because they don't run you know if it if, if it were to me if that was the determining factor for me is, is is comfort level then i would never ever go to an indie show and again like we're not saying that that indie you know american indies should run shitty venues and should run venues that don't have ac or whatever but it's unfortunately part of what happens there because there's in america especially There's not really those mid-level venues that are really good for them to run, so they run youth centers, they run high school gyms, they run rec centers and that sort of stuff. That's always been how American Indians have run, And, and a lot of times those facilities aren't very great, especially when you're talking about a big city, when you're talking about downtown New York, New York City, when you're talking about places in downtown Chicago or whatever, there's not great you know, mid-level facilities, which for better or for worse. I mean, yeah, I, ideally, I would love them to have bu- these you know beautiful theaters that, that are, are are well equipped for for wrestling or whatever. But uh, unfortunately, in America, it's just not the thing. And 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 yeah, they're, these indies are kind of stuck in between. It's like you know, we're hey, we're not going to run Barclays Center, but you know, we, and we're not going to run you know someone's backyard. What's best is is a youth center, and sometimes those are not always the greatest venues, especially when you get you know fifteen hundred people there.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I, I just I think the whole thing was overblown. Um, This is from someone who prefaced their statement with, and Joe, you know I'm a huge quote unquote snowflake. Um, I'm torn because I, I, listen, that's what the guy told me. Okay, you know, I'm I'm friends with all kinds, Rich. Um, I'm torn because it's bad that people are passing out at shows, but like, I don't know, every music festival in the summer has kids pass out. The thing I'm struggling with, though, is that they didn't have enough water for a while. Uh, My suspicion is it was hotter in the bleachers, I was uh, closer to the front row where people were closer together uh, up in the bleachers. For me, uh, it was like a PWG show. This person has also been the PWG, uh, where you're sweating your balls off and it's kind of unpleasant, but you're into the action and it's kind of whatever. Does this sound like someone who felt like their life was in danger? And this was a person who's been the PWG, mm-hmm. and this is a person who, I'm not going to read everything they wrote, that self-describes themselves as a snowflake and someone who's all about, you know, taking care of people, whatever. You know what I mean? You know where I'm going with that. So it's like, right, right. this is someone who would tend to delve on the side of... of uh, know, it's probably not you. <laughs> someone <laughs> like, who's going to blame... Who her.
0: argues with you a lot well, about right. social issues, probably.
1: Well, yeah, as a friend of mine, but it, it's, it's someone who is going to be, yeah, right. be closer to the side of the extreme that...
0: more sympathetic. more sympathetic and, to those who were... were yeah The right, extreme
1: right. side of the argument that says, oh, you're in favor. Oh, you're okay with people dying. You know, rather than closer to the other extreme of well, everyone's a pussy, um, which you know I I don't think you're a pussy if you were hot at this show, but I I find it hard to believe that people's lives are in danger. I believe it was a rampant overreaction. I think people were unfair to WWN. Uh, I think people were uh, were in regard. You know, I think people um, once all the facts were laid out, and um, you know, it, it rich. It was a hot building in August, and and it's taken up all of this attention. Um, in the wrestling world this week is taking up the attention of, of wrestling Mike Johnson has the report on this sports Illustrated reporting yeah, on sports, this yeah. Dave Meltzer's reporting on this we're doing this in a, you know taking up the first hour of our show <laughs> wasting our time with this nonsense uh all because David Bixenspan was was a little sweaty at a wrestling show i mean give me a break uh you know i you, you look at the facts here and, and it just uh it just it just doesn't add up can we have a little bit of nuance do we have to claim that lives were in danger because it was a little hot in this building I, you know, I mean, come on, you know, and, and, and do we have to shut and do we have to shout people down who were saying that they were hot by calling them pussies? Do we have to do that too? I mean, can't we just say- yeah? It was
0: it was all extreme. It was all way too extreme. And the, the problem too is it sounded like they were really cool shows, and it was a really fun weekend. And that the the thought that at least in our little bubble is when it was all sudden done. That was all the conversation was about that and about the heat and about what could have been done and, and that sort of stuff. And it sucks because it's like, hey, this is a pretty cool weekend. There was a big crowd to come see progress. There was some, you know, everything evolves. Had a really good conversation about. Um, Evolved, kind of looking in the mirror and going, "Oh shit!" Progress came and you know, <laughs> you know, quadrupled our attendance. You know, that. so there's a lot of cool stuff, like that, a lot of really cool, progressing stories that could have come out of this. But instead, here we are talking for 45 minutes about this, and and it was like you said, reported on by every single person. So that's a little disappointing too. Is that there was a really cool weekend and a lot of really cool stuff to discuss, a lot of cool business uh, aspects too to discuss, and it just you know,
1: we're all wasting our time so. with this. Is the bottom line. So it's probably time we move on as well.
0: Let's do it. Yes. Yeah, so um, also, pressing heats. Ah, uh, where do you rank this in terms of heats related with pro wrestling? Where do I rank okay. this with heat? You got Heat Gate, yes. Yeah. So you got Heat. You know, Minoru Tanaka. You got Sunday Night Heat, Xbox Heat, Heat Up.
1: Ah, hey, Heat Up. Phil will be happy.
0: <laughs> Go with Heat Up number one. So okay.
1: Yeah, let's put let's put Heat Up number one to make. Yeah, heat I know up. you. I
0: know you love Heat Up. You're you're nothing if not the second biggest Heat Up fan in the world. Well, so
1: I don't give a flying fuck about Heat Up, but I'm a big fan of Heat Up. Phil, he's in he's in Japan right now. Going to Heat Up uh, shows, of course. Going to Heat Up shows, uh, but but he's listening to our show in Japan because I saw him tweeting about our last week's show earlier today. So a uh, big fan of uh, Heat Up, Phil. He's a big fan of the show, and uh, you know he's out in Japan watching Heat Up. Let's put let's put Heat Up the promotion number one. Why not?
0: Okay, all right, yeah. Uh, X Pac Heat, I'm gonna put number two uh Minoru tanaka slash heat i'm gonna put number three you know what
1: i'm gonna put you know what I changed my mind I gotta put Minoru Tanaka number one,
0: that's, yeah as like I said, that's your boy right
1: yeah he's he, you know that guy's criminally underrated he's, okay, got so
0: he's one heat up is two, yes, night heat is probably last for you uh, I, I, we're
1: we're biased towards Japan here too, so we have to
0: <laughs> of have course to yeah. <laughs> So we'll get all the Japanese heat out of the way, and then we'll go to Xbox and say, okay, let's move on. We're, I'm sick to talk about heat. It's actually very hot in my room right now, too. So I would put a fan on, but you, the listeners, will not let me have a fan because it would sound really bad. So, you know, you're you're also compliant in my... Uh, so, Joe, if I stop talking, it is because I passed out. So now you know. Okay, where do you want to go? Um, we got TakeOver. We got SummerSlam. We got G1. We got some other stuff to do. W- where do you go here? This is There's a lot to do, and I don't know that we have an idea of where we're going to go. Man, I think
1: we should probably uh break down the G1, right?
0: Yeah, the G1 thing. That's uh, That was pretty cool, huh? Last weekend? G one Climax three fights fight. yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite matches of all time. You know, match that you loved. Everybody was hyped. you know? G1 Climax. Yeah, let's, let's get into that, of course. Um, after the show last week, we had talked about, you know, we kind of previewed uh, what was coming up for the last three nights of the G1 Climax. Of course, that happened on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah, the A Block Finals, B Block Finals, and then the final, final show. Um, I don't know what the best way to do this, because obviously there's a lot of cards we're talking about here. I think really with the A block and the B block, I think there was only really two matches that we need to talk about at length. And that's of course the block final matches uh, for the A block that happened on Friday. That was uh Tetsuya, Naito and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, Naito of course, winning and moving on to the finals. Uh, Joe quickly, what'd you think about Naito and Tanahashi? I thought it was a solid match that got very much overshadowed the day later. And then another day later that that match will get lost to the ether just because it was so much going on in G1, but pretty solid match in, you know, in a vacuum. I thought Naito Tanahashi was awesome.
1: I mean, In a normal year, it's a match of the year, contender-level match. I don't think it'll um, crack my top 10 this year. I did go four and a half on it, uh, so it's a match I'll think about when I compile my list at the end of the year. I think it'll make a lot of people's lists. But yeah, I mean, the G1, great matches get lost. And when you have two legendary matches, which is what they've become, I mean, let's face it, that happen on the next two nights, it's very easy for a match like this to get lost on that first night. So I, I agree with your overall point. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was a, a tremendous match, yeah. a great
0: match. Yeah, so, I did, too. Uh, but the problem, we had, like, what, 11 hours or you know, <laughs> you know know less than 24 hours to really enjoy that match before it was like, all right, never mind, here's another great match. All right, never mind, here's another one. So it's just like, yeah, it, it kind of sucks. If that one was maybe plumped into the, the middle of G1, we could be talking about it as one that's it. But it, it's, for me, and, and I loved it in the moment, too, but it's so far out of my headspace, given what happened the next two nights, that, it sucks. Like it, it's a match that I really did enjoy while I was watching it, but now in retrospect, it's just like ah, wh- whatever. Who cares? I, I moved on. Which which sucks. Cause they told a really cool story with it as well. And Naito getting that big moment of of winning and going to the finals, I thought was really really cool. And and, and Tanahashi. Uh had, had a great performance in that too, but yeah, it just got lost completely by what happened the next two nights, which are matches. I think we're going to want to talk about here a little bit more. Uh, of course, the first match I'm going to talk about the B block finals, uh, Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada, the third match of their, their series that they've had this year. Of course, Okada wins the first one at wrestle kingdom. They go to a 60 minute draw at dominion. And now this time Kenny Omega gets his win. Um, to tie the series up at one 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 one, and yeah, we're. Uh, w- what are your thoughts on this match? I I have some pretty strong thoughts, but I'll let you kind of go first, and then then I'll get my uh, my take on it as well. But what us you think about Omega Okada?
1: I, you listen, this <laughs> your This one is your baby. The floor is yours first, my friend, because I know that you love this match and you just want to rant and rave about it, so I'm going to step this is good. away. This is going to be
0: a very fun moment where we uh, now get into like heated argument slash discussion about like a half a star and whether five hit four and a half. Like, you asshole, you only gave a four and a half. You, Why do you think it sucked? Joe, <laughs> for, you thought this match sucked. Why? <laughs>
1: like, for, uh, once, <laughs> for once, Rich went five stars on a match mm-hmm. that I did not go five stars on. Uh, I thought the match was fucking
0: phenomenal. Why went, did you hate this match, Joe? Tell me in, in five words why you hated this match. Now, I you feel like Dave Meltzer, you know. It's a... <laughs> right. Why not five, Joe? <laughs>
1: Tell me I went, <laughs> I went four and a half on this one, just like Naito Tanahashi. Um, I thought it was a phenomenal match. Um, uh, you know, uh, all three matches these guys have had. I only get, listen, there's a lot of people out there, there. Well, I shouldn't say a lot, but there's some people out there who have given all three of their matches five stars. Dave Meltzer famously gave them six, six and a quarter. And <laughs> I haven't seen the observer yet. I'm sure he, you know, the way he has talked all week, I'm sure he gave this one five.
0: Yeah, I, I would imagine.
1: Um, or, or his six or whatever. Anything he gives six is really five. So it's like, I'm sure he went five on this one as well, whether he went five or six or six and a quarter or seven or whatever the fuck he's doing to troll people. Um, so there's, there's a good number of people who've given all three of their matches five stars. Rich, I only gave one of their matches five stars and, uh, did you give more than, did you give two, you gave one of the others five or didn't you? Didn't you go to four, uh, yeah, five? I, I'm
0: actually five on all, on all three. Oh, there
1: you go. You're one. Yeah. Th- I'm sitting here referencing other people. <laughs> and There's one right here on this show. And th- the odd thing is I've, I love these fucking matches. I think this is one of the greatest series of matches of all time. And I'm usually a guy not afraid to throw the stars out there. And I've done five, four and three quarter and four and a half, which obviously is chop liver compared to my man, rich over here. <laughs> who's going 15 stars on these things and dave Meltzer, who's going uh what uh 24 and a half stars or whatever the fuck
0: <laughs> I can't compete uh, with that I can't compete with the bro- broken scale you know I don't know yeah, think I you had to go 7 on anyone that would be uh, you know people would get very mad if i did that so
1: listen you're the 555 five, five guy and i think that you think that this match played strongly off of the other two so mm-hmm. Go for it, my man. Tell us what yeah.
0: So, And I, I was lucky enough to review this show, and I was glad I did because I called it a masterpiece. I thought, you know, more than anything, and, and you talk about this a lot, of, of how cool it is when a match can reward you for watching and reward you for, for, you know, sticking with it and reward you for knowing the story without beating it over your head of, hey, this is the story we're going to tell. I thought this was one of the best matches I've ever seen where it's like, Every there were so many things that factored into what this match was and the style of the match and and how it was worked and and what body parts were worked and, and 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 in what sequence moves were hit or whatever. I thought like it was just masterful in that sense where you you first off you get you know Omega and Okada and you have their series. So you have of course at Wrestle Kingdom they you, you know Okada ends up winning uh, Dominion they go to a draw sixty minute draw. So now Kenny Omega in this third match he's only got thirty minutes now. So he's sort of set up of okay you know. I went, you know, Russell Keenum, I kind of, I, I did my thing. We kind of went at a pace or whatever, but Okada got the better of me that night. I couldn't hit one wing angel and and that was it. And that that's sort of what did it. And then you get Dominion where, you know, he would admit in story two that he kind of messed around for a little bit too long. He he didn't focus nearly enough and, and and his time just ran out. He had him. He There was a very good possibility that he was going to win that match if he had gotten a little bit more time, but he didn't. And he kind of screwed around then. This match and and, and everybody going in was like, and I was one of these, and we were talking about it, you know, off air and in our, you know, slack and, and all that sort of thing is is what I wanted from this match and what a lot of people wanted was when the bell rang, Kenny Omega knowing, hey, I cannot fuck around here. I got 30 minutes. I have half the time I had at Dominion when he, you know, took me to the limit or I took him to the limit, however you want to put it. I have 30 minutes here. I got to go ball to so wall from the opening bell on. And that's exactly what Kenny Omega did. No, not a second of wasted moment, uh, wasted movement in this entire match. Everything that he did was to to win in that moment he goes for the v trigger in a minute he goes for you know one wing angel all the time like he's just going nuts of saying i gotta hit my stuff right away i can't let this guy take i i I can't let it go to 20 minutes i can't let it go to a half an hour or whatever as it were you know it did go to 20 minutes because okada fought through and okada you know beat but omega the entire time was like hey look you know building off those previous matches i don't have time to fuck around I had to go at him right away, and I thought that was awesome too, that it was worked in a pace that was a 60-minute match lumped into you know 30 minutes, and really for a lot of it was the first 10 minutes were just manic. These guys were going nuts, and that's exactly what I want out of it, and it's exactly what the story should have been with that match. Then you look at another thing of, of not even these guys' series. Say you've only watched these guys' series or whatever. You get a fun little story out of this match. You get, you know, that, that Omega's only got that amount of time. But if you've been watching the G1 and following the progress of Okada throughout the G1, and really the, the progress of Okada throughout, you know, his title reign is he's been a guy who, little by little, we're seeing that there's dents in the armor. There's little chinks in the armor. He's, you know, he's winning, but he's winning by, you know, the skin of his teeth. He's winning, but he's getting his ass kicked. He's he's winning, but he's just barely doing it or whatever. And And, you know he survived Dominion. He didn't beat Okada. Okada didn't beat him, but Okada just survived the 60 minutes or whatever. Then you build up a, another aspect too where, where Okada then in this match, the prior night or, or, or two nights prior, I should say, uh, he's against Minoru Suzuki, and Minoru Suzuki just beats the fuck out of this guy. They, they talk about his neck and how it's hurt, and Suzuki just goes after his neck and goes after his neck and goes after his neck, and he's the perfect opponent, too, to have Minoru Suzuki be the guy that just destroys the guy's body part, just absolutely you know, destroys the guy, and that goes to a time limit as well. Again, Okada survives. He doesn't win that match. He survives that match, and he survives getting his neck just absolutely destroyed by Suzuki, so in a way, Suzuki sort of softens Okada you know, up for Omega, and Omega... The wrestler, again, you know, he's the thinking man's wrestler, both, you know, out of character and in character. He knows, okay, I got 30 minutes to beat this guy, and this guy's neck is fucked. So what does Kenny Omega do for the first, you know, 15, 20 minutes of that match is every single move is dropping Okada in his neck, focusing on the neck, slapping his neck, kicking his neck, hitting the V-trigger, you know, dropping him on the apron, dropping and everything was... I'm gonna destroy this guy's neck. There wasn't one little, oh, you know, let me mess around with his leg a little bit. Oh, let me mess around with his ankle. Omega said, I don't have time to waste with that shit. I don't have time to fuck around with, with working his leg or working the arm to try to ruin the rain the rainmaker or whatever. Because that's all that guys would tell that story of, oh, well, it's Okada, so I'm gonna work the arm because then his Rainmaker won't be as powerful. Omega didn't do that. Omega said, This guy's neck is fucked because Minoru Suzuki, one of the you know, greatest in-ring, you know, shooters ever or whatever, destroyed this guy's neck two nights prior. I'm going to go after this guy's neck. I'm going to do everything I can to get this guy's neck. And that is is what Kenny Omega does then to win this match is he destroys his neck. He does everything quick. Like, to me, that, it, you know, it, it, the masterpiece. I mean, we're, those are just great stories that reward you, the viewer, for following this stuff, for following G1, for following Okada's reign, for following these, these previous matches, for watching the Suzuki-Okada match, for, for really paying attention to what's going on and paying attention to what Okada was selling and, and paying attention to how you know Omega worked or whatever. This is a match that if you are one of those people that really loves wrestling and really focuses and really gets into this like, like we do and, and like so many of our listeners do, it's a match that rewarded you so much by saying, hey, look, a match that's going to play up to a lot of other things. You're gonna still enjoy this match. I feel like if you just show this to a casual fan, they would enjoy it just as much. But man, if you were invested in the story and if you were invested in in what had been going on in the history of this match, perfect. And and I, it, there's so many, few, there's so few matches where I think that every single movement, single thing meant something, and every single move and every single step or whatever was important and meant something to the story. And this is one of those matches. And that's why I went five stars. That's why I called it a masterpiece too. I thought everything that those guys did in the ring, every single thing that they did. Nothing wasted. Everything was perfect to the story and perfect to exactly how I would have told the story. And perfect to how the story had been built up at that point. Like the story the the the, the story of the match was exactly what they gave us. Was exactly what they gave us. And, And that's why I went five stars. And that's why I was pretty surprised too. I went, I went around just to kind of see, hey, you know, how did other people take this match or whatever? And you know, we often laugh at our friends at, you know, pro wrestling only.com which is a very good website, really good, you know, discussions about pro wrestling or whatever. And I went there because usually if there's a big New Japan match that you and I like or, or you know, most of the New Japan audience likes, they're kind of like, yeah, you know, I didn't like this. I don't like Okada selling it. Like, that, that's how they are. They, they're kind of, they're very much with the nuance of wrestling. They're very deep into it or whatever. You go, when you look at this match, it is universal praise from those guys. It is universal praise from everybody that I've talked to. Y- y-
1: you use that site as sort of a source for the other side, right?
0: Like, exactly, because you know we get put in our little bubble here, where we all go, "Oh my god, it's great! Oh my god, it's awesome!" And I go, "Okay, look, I enjoyed it. I, I loved it. Let me see these people that I know don't watch every single New Japan show. These guys that I know don't watch every single thing. I want to see what they sort of think." And, and for these flaws guys, that
1: you're that flaws that you may not have
0: seen, right? Because I'm just a little fanboy, you know what I mean? I'm wearing my, you know, like uh, especially with Okada and Omega, there you're wrapped
1: up in these characters, play. and maybe you're, yeah,
0: over- yeah, yeah. yeah. So I go to them and I go, "Okay, these are guys that that a lot of times will just strip it down to." here was the in-ring, here's the very, you know, technical aspect, here's, you know, this guy didn't sell his right leg nearly as much, even though the, the you know, he, he had a drop kick off his right leg when the right leg was being, you know, like, they're the people that will focus on those sort of things.
1: No exactly. emotional attachment to the story.
0: Exactly, yeah, they'll, they'll get deep into it, too, and, and there are a lot of times where I'll disagree with what they think and go, hey, you know, you're missing the big picture, you know, you can't see the forest and the trees in terms of this big story. But you're and appreciating
1: like, the counter-perspective.
0: And I think that's important to do a lot of times because you know we kind of yeah. get lost here. And Before I do my review, I try to look at that and go, okay, look, what did I miss maybe? What did I not care about because I was jumping up and down and going, oh, my God, this is incredible. It was universal praise from every single person there, every single person I talked to. was, And, and when they and I and, and everybody kind of universally comes around and goes, wow, that was incredible. That was something. You're talking about an all-time great match, too, and I think this is absolutely an all-time great match in terms of uh, of what it brought to the table and what it did to play off of the story and play off of previous matches, not only between these two but previous matches that these guys have had throughout this tournament. It was just the to me the perfect cap to this entire B block for the G1 climax and the perfect cap to what had been you know to this point still a year-long story between Omega and Okada. So no, I just thought it was an absolute masterpiece.
1: Yeah, do I get to be the heel now?
0: Yes, go ahead.
1: I don't want to be the heel because I love the match, man. You know <laughs> why did you hate this match? <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I thought it was a great fucking match. Um, you know, I I what was interesting is uh, you mentioned the pace, the pace, the pace. You know, it, 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 I'm watching this match and I'm thinking to myself uh, in the early going that wow, it's almost as if I'm watching a match uh that is being worked in fast forward, or I'm watching a match that um they they basically they're working the back end of like a 40-minute match. They're working the closing, they cut off, they chopped off everything else and they're simply working the closing stretch because that's what it felt like from the jump. Um, But then you're right, they didn't settle into the story of uh, working over Okada's neck. Um, I do think though that I think one of the reasons that this match of the three is the most universally praised of the three is that a lot of people weren't into the Early match work of the other two super long matches. I mean, one match went what forty nine minutes or something like that, and the other went sixty. And a lot of the people who didn't like those matches didn't like them because they felt they were too long and they felt that there was wasted time in those matches, which I firmly disagree with. By the way, I think um, everything that happened in those matches mattered, uh, yeah, but that's I'm not good. that's not a debate for today. I think you're with me on that, and um, I you know I, I I disagree with those assessments, but for the people who did feel that way. I think they didn't have that feeling in this one because it was mm-hmm. it was shorter. It was more compact. It was 28 minutes or whatever it was. How long was it? It was about 28 minutes. It almost uh, Yeah, I
0: think, yeah let, me, let me fire it up to get exactly. But yeah, somewhere around there. So, oh, yeah, it was like so.
1: 25, 28 minutes, something like that. So uh, for those people, yeah, there was no uh, uh, wasted storytelling that, that, that didn't go anywhere in their eyes or whatnot. So I think that probably explains why this was the most universally praised of the three. But yeah, just a tremendous match. I'm sure it'll finish very high in our match of the year poll. I'm sure it'll finish very high in all of how the you, various how do you matches
0: between these three. That's what I kind of talked about in a review too. How I mean for even, me for, like... I mean
1: for me it's pretty easy. I I I can rank the three of them uh, very easily. I to me it's Wrestle Kingdom Dominion and then this one, one, two,
0: three. That would never change for you. You think like if you you're not gonna rewatch them, you're not gonna you're just gonna go with that's that's your because that's I've, my issue is I, I tend to rewatch and I wonder if some of yeah. these are gonna sort of uh, because I was talking with a few other people that were hey you know how would you rank these you know what would you talk about because I, I I talked about it's how it would be hard for me to rank these at the end of the year and and some of them are gonna be the one that's gonna be the big issue for me is Dominion because it's a draw yeah and if I rewatch that I'm gonna know it's a draw correct. And then that really, I mean, draws are never the same when you rewatch them. Draws are
1: hurt more than any other match on a rewatch.
0: And like last year, I talked about that Tanahashi Okada. I loved it in the moment. Then I went back and watched and I was like, yeah, it was all right. Like, you know, good, but not, you know, I'm going to take it off my list or whatever. When it actually, the minute after that match had finished, that was one that was in my top five, no doubt, because I was so hyped up from the draw. And then you go back and, and you watch a draw knowing I'm doing all this, and all this is happening, and it's not going to matter when it's all said and done. It, it, it draws are always hurt, so I feel like that Dominion one. When I do go back and rewatch, because I always, I always do at the end of the year, that's one that's going to definitely be hurt for me, and and I think will fall to the bottom of my list uh, when I do re rank them. But yeah, between the one and two, um, and, and this, that's kind of how I would have it anyway. I really, I love the Dominion, but I thought that. Um, was behind Wrestle Kingdom, and now I I, I do think that this one would go ahead of Wrestle Kingdom for me, but it's going to happen. I'll I'll do a rewatch, and I'll kind of decide when it's all said and done, but uh, it's going to be hard to rank these, and I think what's going to be interesting to see is uh, with our match of the year, which is always an issue when you have a series of matches, is that you know, people, and I'm probably guilty of this too. I don't want to put like all three of them on my match of the year. Like I, I probably will when it's all said and done, but I get how people would be like, ah, that's kind of boring. You know, I don't want to have yeah, all three yeah. of these. Let me, let me kind of change it up a little bit. So you do kind of cannibalize those matches. So it'll be really sure. interesting to see what happens. Like we, well, they have with American, it happens a lot with NXT matches because yeah. American alpha will face, you know, DI, you know, or DIY and, and American alpha or, you know, DIY. And, and, and um who am I blanking? On? Am Revival. I, the revival that, yeah, like they, they, you know, they had so many matches that they kind of blend together, or yes. people just say, Well, I can only have a room for one DIY revival match Correct. in my match of the year. So that'll be interesting to see is if they do cannibalize one another and if there is one that kind of falls to the back, or, or if one doesn't, you know, even make the top 10 because Correct. people drop it off, or if in general they, they all kind of suffer uh, because of that. I feel like one of them is probably going to finish number one, but I don't know that. I mean, it's going to be tough to say because of that cannibalization effect, where, you know, a Naito Abushi. You know, for right now, there's only one night to a match, so that'll more stick out, and that will more sure. be okay. Hey, I put night to a in there; that's no problem. I can do that pretty easily. Whereas, you know, I don't want to have my top five be all Kenny Omega and Okada. You know, right. So it'll be really interesting to see how that kind of plays out when it, when the year's done.
1: Yeah, individual wrestlers cannibalize themselves, and uh, you know, like this, like you're saying, there will be some voters who will pick one of the three because they won't don't want to eat up three of their spots on the same matchup. Uh, right. They feel
0: it's, like it's a weird obligation of like, oh, I watch all this wrestling and I come up with, you know, these guys were three of the top five. And so I absolutely right. get it. I'm very guilty of doing that as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I always think about it doing that, but I'm more of a look, the chips are going to fall. I picked yeah. what I think were the 10 best. Uh, if if I feel like these are the three best, they will be my top three. They won't be. I can tell you right now. Um, I, I've got something like six five star matches for the year. <laughs>
0: it's been a pretty which good year.
1: Is, most years I have maybe one or two. Some years I have zero.
0: This it's been such two. a good year with WWE just laying duds left and right. It's. I mean, un- there's un- a- if they were confident, can you imagine this year? Oh, I know. If they use their roster, which they have, which is very good and very talented, they're going to do so poorly in the poll as a
1: company. Um, and and obviously our poll is almost 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 always dominated by New Japan and WWE um I, I you know it's aside from, and and you know the a big problem with wwe is their best match of the year so far was in january and you know the <laughs> earlier and you know it's fair or unfair the earlier in the year it happens the, those matches don't tend to do as well because they're not in fresh people's minds so it's going to be rough man i they may not get a top 10 match because the rest of the That's year everywhere else has been so strong and i think new I japan I, is really going to dominate more than they have in the past because they in particular have had uh, such a ridiculously strong year. But uh, this match actually, the the one we're talking about probably won't make my top 10 oddly enough. I mean, um, and it's, and it's a
0: tremendous. You're a monster. Why did you hate it? I hate you, Joe. (laughs) It has a shot, but
1: I mean, four and a half rich (laughs) might not cut it this year. Cause I've got a bunch of four and three quarter matches like the one we're about to talk about. So,
0: um, you know, tremendous. Twenty four forty was the, the match time. Uh, if you're okay. curious for for Omega Okada, twenty four forty. Yeah, yeah. The so inmates it a nine point seven one baby. That is as high in the cage match inmate rank.
1: I, I think I saw one of the cage match guys tweet out that the uh, I think that these Kenny Omega uh, Okada matches are the highest rated matches in the history. Oh no, it's the Omega Naito matches actually. The the one from last year and the one from this year are the two highest rated matches in the history of the site. I believe they said. Oh, wow. So okay, okay. Um, so how about that? That's a good transition into that match. Uh, the G1 final, Tetsuya Naito and Kenny Omega. One point I'd like to make is the last two weeks we were talking about how, what a disappointing tournament Naito had been having. The fact of the matter is, though, when you go into Sumo Hall, you know he did have his two biggest matches in front of him, and, um, you know, and, and it ended up playing out that way. There's no way you can say he had a disappointing G1 now when he had two matches the caliber that he had, uh, first versus Tanahashi on Friday night, and then, of course, the final which, again, is going to be yet another match. We sound like a broken record that's going to do very well in our match of the year poll and was just a legendary G1 final. I've heard people say that it's the best G1 final match ever. I've heard people say that, um, you know, it's their match of the year. Um, I gave it four and three quarters. Um, You know, my thing with a five-star match, I'm very much in tune with Dave Meltzer, where if I'm not feeling five stars immediately when it ends – and if there's a sh- a shred of doubt i don't go five
0: yeah that's how i am i whatever in cuz i do my rating like right away especially if it's five i put that in right away and just say okay i'm not moving from that because that's my feeling right at this moment right now right. like cuz if i write my review and then i go eh, you know it's it's like the match is you know i hear that bell and i go you know <laughs> you know shifts <laughs> 8888 eight, eight, you know it's like boom that's in it's locked in like that that's how i've always been
1: i can't have a shred of doubt and when i watch this match um actually I thought this match had a lot of flaws, oddly enough, for a match that I gave four and three quarters. Um, but it was so dramatic and so athletically ahead of of everything else that we that we're seeing. And it was so and the effort, and you know I'm an effort guy, and the effort was so, you know, turned up to 15 uh that I overlooked a lot of the flaws that were in this match. I think one major flaw was Naito, when he gave the pile driver to Omega on the table on the outside, they they basically missed the table and he almost killed him.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, that was that was brutal.
1: Uh, you know, I thought. I, listen, I thought Naito was sloppy in this match. It and was. There
0: were a lot of moments that that he sort of was either step off or a little slow or, or wasn't quite in the right spot. So Yeah, and that's a big. I gave it. Uh, four and a half, and that, that's a big reason why. It's just because I thought it was a. Little you sloppy.
1: hated this match. I hated
0: this match. You loved it. I hated it. Let's debate this to no end. Yes,
1: but I think I think I
0: thought, I thought <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, yeah.
1: I thought Naito was much better in the Tanahashi match. I thought <laughs> Naito was much better in the Ibushi match. You know, a thousand years ago, three weeks ago, whenever that was. Um, I thought Naito was better in the Zack Sabre Jr. match. Although I didn't think that was his Christmas performance either. But I thought he was a little sloppy in this match. I thought down the stretch. Uh, he, this man, I mean, he need, he might need a new finish. I mean, the Destino is a cool-looking finish, and it's uh, it lends itself well to counters, which is very important in the modern New Japan style. But he just can't do this move with any sort of um, consistency, or 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 it's very sloppy. He, you know, and in this match in particular, he delivered a couple of these Destinos that were so sloppy. And uh, thank God Kenny Omega is just such a tremendous uh, bumper and seller. I thought he really saved Naito's ass on more than one occasion with the way that he sold for a move for this move, which was not executed well at all. Um, sometimes there he, Naito has problems rotating over. Sometimes he has problems when he does rotating over. When he does rotate over, uh, getting the opponent's head in the right spot, He's he he was very sloppy in this match in a lot of different ways. And I thought Omega. Uh, was the much stronger performer. I thought Omega was great here. Again, uh, just to reiterate, I thought his bumping and his selling were just top, top notch. I mean, it doesn't get any better than Omega in this match. Um, The other critique was, Rich, they really, really crept up to the line of doing too much here. Um, But look, the reason I'm going to give them a pass is this is the G1 final. It was a rematch from the year before. And this is sort of, you know, this is the arguably... I actually, I don't think it's arguable. This is the second biggest match of the new Japan calendar, right behind the wrestle kingdom main event is. Uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. Traditionally. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is the second biggest match in, in the company. Uh, You know, if you want to say that the Royal rumble is the second biggest match in WWE's calendar year to the WrestleMania main event, I think this is the second biggest match in the new Japan calendar behind the wrestle kingdom main event. And uh, in a match like this, if you want to do something special, uh, and, 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 and you know, whatever that means, whether that means Okada emphatically giving Nakamura two extra rainmakers uh, to symbolically become the leader of chaos, whether that means Nakamura and Tanahashi in that great match that they had uh, a couple of years ago, and whether that means these two guys doing too much, to use recent examples of G1 final, I think it's okay. And I can give you a pass, but they really did walk right up to that line. And I'm not someone who typically complains about that. So if I'm saying it, they really walked up. But listen, huge match, huge stakes. Um, And I think the, the drama was such. I did not watch this spoiled. I watched it live. I reviewed the show. I thought the drama was such and the stakes involved and the effort that these guys put in and the danger that they put themselves in. I couldn't deny that it was just a tremendous, tremendous match.
0: Yeah, and I, I really enjoyed it too, but like in the sea of, of just incredible G1 matches, there was something a little bit just lacking for me in this one. Maybe it was Burnout, maybe it was I had seen the match prior that I thought was just the absolute best thing I'd ever seen or whatever. Uh, this one, yeah, again, like <laughs> I had four and a half, so it seems kind of funny that I have to qualify to, or, as such. But yeah, I didn't I didn't just quite get as invested in the story a little bit, and it could be that I'm not as invested in the Naito story. Uh, and as much of the Naito sort of rise as other people are. Like, to me, you know, I, I, I've enjoyed it, and I'm glad that he won. And I'm glad that we're going to kind of tell that story through. But, you know, to me, the Omega Okada story, to me, was something I, I cared a little bit more about. I was more invested in that. So that played a little bit into the match uh, as well. But, yeah, I think overall, a uh, really solid match. But, yeah, I thought there was times where, yeah, Naito's sloppiness kind of got in the way, and, and yeah, again, I'm not one of those they did too much sort of guys, but when there was like a five minute span where I'm like, all right, you know, we're we're going a little nuts here, guys. Let's just kinda end like I love the V trigger. It's like my favorite move ever. But Omega must have hit like 45 of them. In this you, know, I, you know, can I can I
1: bring can I can I bring that up because I did write it in my room. Yeah, yeah. That, that to me was another minor flaw. I love the V trigger too because I think it looks so great. The problem is the V trigger looks too great and it looks too dangerous. And why doesn't it ever finish anyone off? I mean he kills this guy with... Well, I guess it has in the past. But he kills guys with this move. And like you said, he must have hit five, six, seven of these things. And they all looked great. But if they never score falls, it's kind of like... It, the move is almost overkill at that point. The move is executed so well... That it that it becomes overkill because it's executed so well. Yeah, and it, it looks it, it
0: looks fucking beautiful. It's like the most beautiful move I. I, I it in looks like right the right most now, yeah. dangerous
1: fucking thing you can do. Yeah.
0: Right, <laughs> 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 like night and nights. I sold a few of them. Great. There was one that he like. Absolutely, just looks like he destroyed him, and Naito's like neck bounces off the ropes or whatever. I'm like, holy fuck! And then yeah, like it, it, it's only a transition move or whatever. So yeah, making that a little bit more special would be nice. Kind of, I, I kind of visions of like, remember there was a time when when Nakamura's boomerang was just being used like seven times in every single match or whatever, just being used at random points just to be used or whatever. And 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 that's I really would love the V trigger to be a little bit more special. Make it like. A absolute turning point. When I hit that V trigger, it is a turning point in this match, not just a you know I hit seven of them and then you know and, and then again like we're not one to bitch about excess and this is a match where you know Omega is desperate to win and desperate so you, you you know desperate times call for desperate measures so I get why you would do that and it's like yeah not every single match that he has he's, he's throwing seven of them around but yeah this match in particular I was almost just kind of like all right like, you know you're really getting close to just doing a little too much here buddy. they were on, and, and, yeah and, they
1: were on the edge of overkill in many different ways in this
0: match yeah so that that, that kind of hurt a little bit for me and it just. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I really, uh, four and a half, I, I really did enjoy it. But yeah, there were just a little bit of flaws there that kept it from being uh, what I had seen as, you know, a five star or even like, you, you, you know, the four and, and three quarters. Like, I, four and a half was pretty solid for me where it kind of ended up when it was all said and done. But I mean, to cap off at G1, just an incredible, yet another just incredible, incredible. Uh, match it's just an incredible tournament as well i mean we're gonna go back and, and and look at this and i know you had your ranking of your top 10 and there's there's people that are kind of trickling out with their favorite matches this entire tournament i mean this is an unbelievable I mean, we say this almost every single year but this one is just nuts and i think what's cool about it too is that everyone's top 10 is, is is pretty different everyone's top three is a little bit different everyone's top five is a little bit different like it's not like there's a consensus yeah these five matches were great and then these other ones were you know okay and here's what i ranked like my top ten and your top ten don't look anything alike. Like your top ten, and Dylan Justin's top ten look nothing alike. Larry Zonka's top ten looks nothing alike. like everybody's top ten looks different. And that's how cool is that? That like you, there are so many different matches and so many different stories and so many different wrestlers that people really enjoyed and 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 matches that stuck out to them. And and that's how I much of an embarrassment of riches is, is that? Like we could have three different top ten lists that that maybe don't even have the same. You know, you know, six of the matches aren't even the same. And it's like, yeah, there's so many to choose from. I mean, there are countless matches. That, I mean. I, is it ridiculous to say that there are like 30 matches that, that are, are, are justifiable to choose for a top 10 list?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it might be there more is. than that. It's whatever particular style you like, whatever wrestler story you were invested in. You know, I don't think I had a single Yuji Nagata match in my top 10. There's right, a- but mine would have
0: like three. Yeah, I would have like right. three or four in mine.
1: <laughs> like- right, so it's all who you're personally invested in, you know, and, and, um, you know, there's a lot of talk again. Was this the greatest G1 of all time? Yada, yada. Look, I'm tired of giving that take. I have no idea because the last four of these things, four or five of these G1s, <laughs> look, they've been so great. How can I compare them? You know? And it's like, if I went back and looked at my notes, um, you know, I would see a million matches that I've forgotten about now that are just have disappeared into time that I'd be like, Oh wow. Yeah. That was so fucking great. Yeah. I, I don't know tournament for tournament, which one I think was the best. Um, it, look, there, this is just a special place in time. And, and it really is. And I thought, Al, I read figure four weekly today and, uh, Alan Alan Cunahan, um, you know, wrote about the G1 and, and uh, I'm going to paraphrase him, but he said that, you know, New Japan is really this this is a golden era for the company right now. Um, it just is, and he's right, and we are in a golden era. And um, you know these G ones. This is a you know these are obviously is a great period for these tournaments. But I'm not prepared to say that this is the greatest uh, G one of all time because I don't know. Um, yeah, anymore, and I don't want to
0: I don't want to frame it in that sense too because yeah. so often and we're we're guilty of that in, in in any medium. We do it for movies. We do it for TV. We do it for sports or whatever. Is when a thing ends. Is, how does this you know compare to? X in history or whatever. The Golden State Warriors win a championship or are they better than the Bulls or are they better than 96 Bulls or are they, is LeBron better than Michael Jordan? Like we so quickly want to when something's over immediately say okay well where does this rank all time or whatever and in some cases you know just fucking enjoy it enjoy what you got going here like you're saying we could sit here you and i and and argue for three hours about whether this g1 was better than the 2013 g1 which was better than the 2015 g1 but why bother this was awesome this was great just live the moment as it is enjoy what you're seeing right now and 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 appreciate what you're seeing now and not worry whether it stacks up to you know the best kobashi misawa matches of all you know what i mean like what, what are you doing that for just just enjoy what you got coming
1: just overall, this era of the company has just been amazing. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is their...
0: And we're, we're starting to see a really good cross-section, too, of, of, of business and in-ring. Like, you know, those, those those diagrams where for a while, you know, the, the in-ring was getting better, but the business was kind of, you know, it, it, getting a little bit better, but not quite as... And now we've just seen this perfect intersection of, like, they're firing all cylinders in ring and the business is exploding too. And it's just, I
1: I alluded to it a little bit on Twitter about a month ago, but then I pulled back the reins because I I may want to do something for the book this year in that direction, because I think, you know, and I've been looking at the numbers and taking some notes and studying some things. And I think people would be very surprised how this year stacks up historically to some of their best years ever. Um, Business wise, I'm talking and you know, there's sort of this narrative that, Ah, for all this talk in New Japan, it's nothing like the, you know, the peak eras of the, con- you know, that argument is kind of, it's, it's slowly becoming shit people say, as opposed to something that's true. And, you know, they may end up having this year, they may end up having, in fact, they're probably going to have their most profitable year in the history of the company. And if you're screaming inflation at your radio, the nation of the empire of Japan with a nation an empire. What is it? Rich?
0: I don't think it's an empire. I believe it's a, it is a nation, but
1: don't they still call themselves the empires of Japan.
0: Uh, uh, I'll be honest. I don't know. And that's, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, let me, I'll have the to look it, that up to see you know, if they're still called an anyway, it My
1: point is <laughs> the inflation, the inflation rate in Japan,
0: a sovereign nation and not a sovereign,
1: in- na- the nation of Japan. Right. There you go. Um, <laughs> Do they still have like a king, like England as a queen? I don't know. No, I like don't think one, so. Like one that doesn't have power, you know? Do they have one of those gimmicks going oh, on? Oh, so the Empire
0: of Japan went away in uh, 1947, Joe. I know you were just a young whippersnapper. You know, in, it like was New feels like yesterday. That time, but... <laughs>
1: well, it feels like yesterday. <laughs> um, but, uh, but my point here, Rich, if, if people want to talk about inflation, there's only been something like 1.5% inflation since new japan's last you know since they they had their i forget what year it was it's all in my notes but i don't have those notes in front of me um you know the the, the year that holds the, you know they're according to new japan by the way, uh, this is information straight from New Japan, uh, their most profitable year. They've only had 1.5% inflation in, in, in the country since then. And this year is going to surpass that. They're going to have their most profitable year ever. So even if you want to talk business, okay, maybe they're not running as many domes as they used to. Maybe they're not running five straight nights in Sumo Hall. Uh, but they're going to make more money this year than they've ever made before. And uh, went through a combination of increased ticket prices, which I think deserves a little bit of mention here. Uh, you know, They jacked up the ticket prices, doubled them, Uh, for the most expensive seats for the G1 final and this is the first time in the Kidani era running the three straight nights in Sumo Hall that they sold out all three nights completely even with the jacked up ticket prices. So uh, this is a very, this is a, very strong business year for the company, even stronger. All those Okada sellouts uh, uh, this year for all of his title defenses, Naito drawing strong on the B, on the B shows, uh, the, this G1 um, you know, drawing over 80,000 fans and selling out all three nights in Sumo Hall with increased ticket prices. And one thing I wanted to bring up because a couple uh, people on our forums brought it up, uh, we spoke last week about potentially expanding to five straight nights at Sumo Hall again. Well, Rich... There's a way for them to uh, expand and grow their business without doing that. They can open up the full seating for all three nights.
0: Right, right. We forgot to mention that last week, which is a really good point that someone brought up. Yeah. Do you
1: think they – is that a viable
0: strategy? Yeah, I like that a little bit more than running an entire extra two days or whatever. Like open the thing up and, and, and yeah, you can maybe even keep the prices where you have. But, yeah, now you can sort of open it up a little bit more and let that – yeah, I like that way more than adding two days of uh, Sumo Hawks. I, I don't know if they're quite ready for that just yet.
1: Yeah, so that, that's an option for them as well. But from a business perspective, this G1 was uh, an absolute uh, home run, knocked it out of park. Uh, look, Rich, you can't do better than sell out pr- practically every night of the tour. I mean, you, what, all you can do is raise prices and give out less comps, right? And, you know, th- that's what they did, and they did it. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're going to have arguably, you know, they, they might have their most profitable year of all time. I mean, 2016, uh, I'm sorry, 2015, it was either 15 or 16 nearly was. And this year is is uh, is lapping uh, the previous couple of years, so um, people need to be careful with those arguments now. You know, it's just a and, and remember. And here's the thing too: New Japan is doing this with their TV show airing at 2:45 in the morning,
0: right? As opposed to yeah, it's not an institution like it was in the like 90s, it, was so it was during you know, prime time yeah. TV, yeah,
1: or or that or their or their great the great run they had in the 80s, right, when the television was running in prime time. I mean. You know, right. so they're doing this with the TV running at two forty-five in the morning or three forty-five, whatever it is, the wee hours in the morning on like Sunday night or whatever the fuck it is. I don't remember exactly what, but obviously no you know, they're not they're not getting their new fans through the television, which is the easiest way, obviously, um, to gain new fans. They're not doing it through TV. I mean, this they're doing. It's actually remarkable uh, what this company is doing from a business perspective, and it's it's uh, and I think that. Um, it's actually, you know, people need, you know, and Okada has been such a big part of that, and I, I don't know necessarily if he's getting uh, really enough credit um, for, 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 you know, the level of star that he is, and now Naito, uh, we have to talk about this. Um, I, you know, we had talked about you got to switch gears, you got to do Omega Okada four at the Dome. It's the hotter match. After I saw Naito Tanahashi on Friday night, I kind of changed my mind on that. Naito is peaking right now, I think. I don't think Naito has ever been more popular than he is right now. And um, he gets the strongest reactions uh, from the live fans. And um, it's, it, it became obvious to me that there was no wrong winner for the G1 final, but Naito was the right winner. Uh, that is the biggest match for the people in Japan. It's not the biggest match worldwide. I think Omega Okada would have been the bigger match for the worldwide audience, but you're not selling dome tickets to a worldwide audience. You're selling tickets in Tokyo. And the Naito Okada match is the biggest match for the, for the, for the fans in Japan. And, uh, I, I, I am on i um, uh I have switched gears on that and I am on board with that. He was uh very clearly the man who uh now look, it's not as if people you know, they didn't want to boo either man. It's not as if Omega was getting booed out of the building, or yeah, it we
0: were- was fun. They actually every time they went to the crowd, there was like one dude that was wearing a Kenny Omega thing that was like rooting for Naito because it was just like I just yeah. want anybody, I just want these guys to have a great match, and I'm gonna root for anybody. Like, like you constantly saw people in Bullet Club shirts that were you know jumping when Naito hit a big move or did it. Like they, everybody was just that entire arena was like, I don't care, everybody rules, just have a good match, everybody have fun. Like it was it, the environment there was awesome for that final because it was it was two dudes that everybody really likes and everybody really wants to succeed so it was really cool to see that yeah
1: they were uh it's not as if they were terrified that naito wasn't gonna win and they were booing Omega. no they, they i they, people would have been okay if omega won but naito was just super over and uh, mm, just like it was, I, he was uh, he was
0: right call for sure i agree
1: yeah so uh so that's what we're gonna get we're gonna get naito okada It's the match that they've obviously been building to for well over a year since okada won the title back from naito and um you know, it's it's like we've uh, said all along, when they have a booking plan, Rich, um, they stick to it, this one. And I think that a uh, Naito Tanahashi main event with potentially, it sure looks like an Okada Abushi semi-main event. And if they're shooting their own, I'm sorry, Omega Okada. Um, <laughs> Omega Abushi, try number three. <laughs> there you go. Um, semi-main event. And uh, if these guys are shooting their own angle, I, I believe New Japan's in on it at this point because now they're... Uh, uh, oh, it,
0: it, it's not just. I mean that that came out. I mean, New Japan released a video of, of right. them sort of meeting up backstage or whatever. Omega goes, "Oh, this should not have been released." You know, how did you get this? So, like, yeah, it, it's it's happening, folks. It, it's it's one way or another. Uh, it's happening, and that's going to be an incredible. I mean, it's that that would probably lump into the semi-main event. Um, which yeah, then I mean, you're, you're talking about just a stacked Russell Kingdom. That's your semi-main event.
1: Uh, that would be the you know arguably the strongest main event, they, semi-main event they've had. And you're talking about semi-main events that were Tanahashi Naito and
0: right, exactly Okada
1: that. Naito. and you know, but because I believe that match could headline uh, to the Tokyo. Sure, oh for sure, you know, especially with the build that it's had now. Um, they've been building that match since the AJ Styles Okada match at Dominion, or I think it was Dominion, however many years ago. You know when Okada, when I'm sorry, when Omega gave that longing glance to Abushi, remember, and and uh, mm-hmm. you know that's when they planted the seeds for this. This is a match that's been in the making for like three years now, and 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 longer if you go back to their history with DDT and all those sorts of things. Um, but uh, but so you know that's just a tremendous tremendous semi main event match. Mm -hmm. I mean, which, which is going to help sell a ton of tickets. Oh, I I should mention too,
0: not to interrupt, but yeah, in the, in the, I don't know if you listen to English commentary for the G1 final, but, uh, they mentioned that Omega's, tights and again like i always say if they're mentioning it it's probably on a highlight sheet you know circled with you know a bunch of arrows to it is rocky romero said oh if you look at omega's tights it's half omega half abushi you know he's he's sort of channeling abushi with his tights or whatever and again like i say if they're saying something especially you know if, if kelly callis or rocky romero are are saying hey here's something to yeah this is a pretty interesting note right here that's circled that's highlighted that's being said hey Bring this up at some point, bring this up right away. And that's how, you know, that it's not just Rocky Romero saying, Oh geez, that kind of looks like Kotobushi's." I mean, he's being told, say this, this is important. Circle this boom. So yeah, just, just more if you need more evidence that, that this thing is happening.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so that'll be uh, a super strong semi. And then you still have to do something with Tanahashi. So, I mean, I don't know as hot as Naito is right now. And, um, you know, I really think this puts to bed the discussion that they chose the wrong guy with Okada, and it should have been Naito last year. I mean, this could have played out any better for New Japan, and and again, give the Booker's credit because I got Okada, an extra year
0: out of everything. <laughs>
1: like you and, and, held up for well, a year. Well, not, only, not only that, Rich. I mean, yeah. it's it's impossible to view this in hindsight and not call this Okada run a a, a, a blow away enormous success. So how could you argue against the decision when he's been the most successful? New Japan draw in decades.
0: Right. The only, uh, the only argument would be, well, I don't like it or I don't really like the story, but I, I think you're almost losing those people too. Yeah, but, and we, we have seen lots of it. Cause we're like... talking business
1: here. Yeah. yeah no, hey, sure. you know, when you're talking booking, you know, the bottom line is business and you know, it, aesthetic is one thing, but rich, you know, look, fans can say, can, can, can dissect things all they like on this show. When it, when it comes down to how many times have we dissected, you know, uh, an aesthetic in wrestling that we didn't like, but we conceded that it was the best call for business or the best call for booking. That's sure, what we do. Here. That's what we do here. Okay. This is the kind of show you're going to get here. And, and the fact of the matter is it's impossible to look back at that decision of going with Okada over Naito when they did as the wrong decision at this point, you will look absolutely foolish because Okada legitimately is the biggest draw this company's had in decades. He's a bigger draw than Tanahashi at this point. He's a bigger draw than anybody who's there now. He's a bigger draw than anybody who was there during the dark ages before this era. Uh, you have to go back at least a decade, probably more, to find a someone who who, who, who draws better than so you know that was clearly the right decision. And they they it's not as if you cannot argue that Naito has cooled off in the interim. He's hotter than ever, at least based on crowd reactions, and his main events have drawn. It's overshadowed by the year that Okada has had because Okada has just had such a—you know—he sells out every show he headlines. He has five-star matches every time he gets in the ring, but Naito has drawn all year long and he's hotter than ever. And this is a perfect example of making people wait. You don't always want to give people what they want right away in wrestling, and sometimes you wait too long. Tyler Black in Ring of Honor uh, is a, is the example that we always point to. Sometimes you wait too long, but. In this case, they he, I mean, this guy's peaking at the right time, and he's probably going to win that match, and you're going to get your Naito run next year, and it, and it might work out for the better because now you've got Okada at this legendary level after the year he's had, and now you're going to have people energized by the idea that Naito... Is uh, potentially getting his first big run. Of course, he had the the the, the short run with the title, which I, you know I don't argue that's a mistake either because that established him at the championship level. That established him at a level that he can win that title. And so that you know, and you can't view anything they've done as a mistake at this point because of how successful Okada was.
0: Uh, one thing I want to bring up before we move on to other topics, and I, I mentioned that I I want to talk about this. Um, is and it, it, it kind of relates to what we talked about a little bit last week in terms of Dave Meltzer talking about, uh, you know, changing the tournament or expanding the tournament to give these guys a lighter load and to, you know, reduce injuries and all that sort of stuff. And it was, it was propped up a lot too because uh, the Okada Omega match, a lot of people were watching that going, oh my God, Okada's neck, they're, they're, they're you know, his neck's hurt and all the matches all about dropping him on his neck or whatever and that's you know that's unsafe and it'd be nice if these guys worked a little bit safer and were more aware of, of, of the safety and the dangers or whatever and that was you know conflated a little bit too because or, or inflated I should say when uh, you know Shibata comes out and you see a guy who who was legitimately hurt in a match or whatever and then you say oh well you know this this ring style is killing guys and guys are hurt and everybody after the G1 is hurt and and Naito's hurt and Tanahashi's biceps ripped and, and he's still working and, and Okada's neck is ravaged and he's getting dropped on his neck or whatever and it's something I, I really want to talk about a little bit here just just you know real quickly is you know don't forget that the pro wrestling's work that these guys faking injuries or 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 playing up an injury for the betterment of a pro wrestling match is something that's been done for quite a while so i think let, let's maybe calm down a little bit with the Oh my god, these guys are all dead or oh my god, these guys are all killing themselves or oh my god, look at how hurt everybody is after the G1. We need to fix something or we need to change something or the style needs to be reduced or these guys need to think that they don't have to go out there and and hurt themselves because oh my god, Okada's neck is is, is destroyed or whatever. And 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 to be fair, Dave Meltzer's guilty of this too cuz he's up there talking all the time about oh, well, this guy's hurt and this guy's hurt and this guy's hurt and this guy's got this going on. This guy's got this going on or whatever. And one thing that I noticed especially with those final few nights and you can look at um Block finals to to really get an idea of it is you have Tanahashi on one end who's got the you know the, the reported you know torn bicep which we know at one point he did have a torn bicep but as we say you know. Tanahashi always has debilitating injury in April. And then come August, everybody works on it for two months. Everybody, you know, focuses on whatever he says hurt him. Uh, He doesn't really skip a beat. And then the beat goes on for the rest of the year. But, you know, we we get the same thing every year of, oh, my God, Tanahashi's back's ruined. How is he going to do it? Everybody works on his back for two months, and then he's fine. It's weird. And, you know, this year was the same thing with the torn bicep. And then Okada comes out with tape on his neck. And, and, and Dave and other people report that a few days prior, his neck was sore and then Suzuki works on his neck. And then Okada works on it or uh, Omega works on Okada's neck and drops him on his head. And, and people are going, Oh my God, you know, this guy's neck's hurt and, and he won't stop. And he just keeps dropping himself on his head and he keeps, you know, working this unbelievable style and Tanahashi just, you know, he's working with a torn bicep. I mean, we have to, again, Tanahashi's got a wrapper on his arm to say, Hey, my biceps really fucked. Like, Hey, look, look, this is the bicep that really hurts, and and guess what? The entire match, guys are drop kicking it. I mean, Naito in that match was brutal on Tanahashi's arm the entire time, and I'm seeing tweets of, "Oh my god, this guy's killing himself out there with his bicep or whatever." I mean, there, wrestling's it, it, work, <laughs> you know. I'm not saying that I know for a fact that his bicep is fine, but I'm of the mindset of that if Tanahashi's bicep was still bothering him, that he wouldn't tell Zack Saber Jr. Hey, bend this every possible way you possibly can, and slap it while you're doing it. You know, uh, but I you know I'm with you. you know, yeah. And, and Okada comes out with, he's got a hurt neck. So there's tape on his neck. 15 seconds because it's just a piece of fucking tape, but he comes out and he's favoring the neck. And then Omega just fucking drops him on his head a hundred times. Again, I don't know. Maybe Okada's dumb as hell and saying, yeah, my neck hurts, but fuck, that's the story of the match. Let's do it. But part of me says that if he's, you know, coming out there with tape and it's being quote reported that his neck hurts, that I don't know that I would necessarily say, Hey, Kenny Omega, for the next 25 minutes, can you drop me on my head as many times as possible and, and slap my neck and kick my neck and, and do V-triggers to me and, and chop? I mean, there was a point where Okada has back turned to Omega, and Omega's chopping his neck. You know, I, if my neck was really hurt, I I think I'm smart enough to say, hey, look, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this, but maybe don't chop the hell out of my neck. It hurts a little bit. So I think we, we sometimes lose sight of the fact that pressing is a work, And especially in Japan, we see this a lot, where they'll play up those injuries. We tell you guys every single year about Hiroshi Tanahashi. Come April, back hurts. My arm hurts. In August, for two months, everybody works his knee. Everybody works his back. Everybody works his arm. And then the rest of the year, we never hear about his back, his knee, or his arm ever again. Keep that in mind next, you know, next G1. Keep that in mind when you watch New Japan. These guys are workers. They're professional wrestlers. Sometimes you say that you're hurt, so that the story is that you're hurt, and then people work on a hurt body part, but you're really okay because it's pro wrestling. I, I, it's weird that we have to have this conversation, but we kind of do because there was that narrative popping up again about these guys and what they're doing. They're damaging their bodies for the good. You know, What is the working standard? Are standards too high or whatever? You know, Everybody's fine. Nobody missed the tournament. We can say that people were working hurt, and I'm sure they have bumps and bruises. I'm sure they're sore. Every full time pro wrestler is working. Every hurt. athlete is sore. For God's sakes, you don't play an NFL game without putting on, you know, without going, oh, my, you know, my, my, my ankle no, I, I hurts. I hear you. But yeah, it, it, like, but this I don't is a pro think, wrestler. And I don't, so even, think, I don't
1: even think that. necessarily you're downplaying. Look, I, I think a, a lot of these guys are working hurt. I think a lot of the guys in WWE are working hurt. I think a lot of indie guys are working hurt. If you're a full time pro wrestler, to any serious degree, you're probably mm-hmm. have a part of your body that's banged up. And I do think some of that probably gets exemplified on the G1 tour because it is a hard tour. And we're not, oh, doubting, absolutely. No, we're sure. not doubting that these guys are working hurt. Um, you know, but the idea that they're all, you know, it, it, this is similar to the, to the heat gate topic, right? It's like, there is a medium here. Um, I, I, I'd like to quote um, someone who I think is, is very smart, and um, someone who posts on our board a lot, and I know they listen to the show. I Is really it you?
0: Mean, oh, I thought you were going to quote
1: yourself. Uh, but. Well, listen, that listen, <laughs> I, I've been known to quote myself. I, mean, <laughs> I was going to say so that. Um, but, uh, uh suplex Berry on our board, she is one of the smartest people that posts on the board.
0: I, I, she, yeah, know, I love her posts. She's, she's the best. She, she listens is, every podcast too. And every time I, I feel bad, I don't reply enough because she'll reply with like seven paragraphs and you're like, oh man, like this is good stuff. And I feel bad that I can't reply enough. Like, no, she's awesome. She's, nah, she's super smart. Um, always has something
1: intelligent to say. And as part of the reason why, you know, in, in, in a world where message boards are dying, I really believe ours is, is the best wrestling message board out there. I really do. And uh, she's a big reason. She's a tremendous poster. Uh, New Japan threads, uh, some of the uh, like the Rev Pro thread, the Progress Thread, places like that uh, where she posts. But she had this to say on this topic, and I quote This is complicated. And like I wrote in response to the recent WrestleNomics episode, wrestling fans in the West have gotten used to knowing. So sometimes not knowing really unsettles them. So they'd rather believe every injury is a shoot than accidentally get worked with Japanese wrestling culture, not knowing is very much a possibility, end quote. And she's right. I think uh, Western fans, um, you know, like she's saying, we never want to feel like wrestling is working us anymore. We always want to feel like we're smarter. We're ahead of the
0: game. We know what they're doing. We're we're into the inner workings of it. We know, you know, before they know what they're going to do yet.
1: And we're all guilty of it. I mean, we all, which is why we're always so skeptical that anything happens in wrestling is a work, right? Because we, we were, we, she's right. We have this fear that we're being worked, and it's still different in Japan. I mean, this is, uh, you know, we, we we have to bring up, you know, Shibata returning on the on, uh, you know, in Sumo Hall, right? And and that surprise, and it kind of plays into this topic a bit, where um, I, I don't, you know, he clearly left that open-ended whether he thinks he's going to return knows he's going to return knows he's not going to return he left it open-ended and with a question mark and so did the companies all of their write-ups on it and whatnot I have no idea if Shabbat is going to wrestle again but they're clearly making you think that he might or might not I mean that you know what I mean it's, it's kind of this weird it's thing very ambiguous
0: out. right now yeah it's
1: very ambiguous and the whole thing is ambiguous and you know, just look at how the Western fans reacted to, well, the whole Shibata thing couldn't have been a work because they have quotes from a doctor. And it's like, it doesn't really mean anything. And I'm not suggesting that the Shibata injury is a work. No, it's really not. But the fact that they had a real doctor make quote means nothing. I mean, doctors have been used in, in angles for years in the United States. Why wouldn't they do it? You know, and there's no reason they wouldn't do it. And, you know, if New Japan, let's say that New Japan was planning on bringing back Shibata for a huge match. And... and and his injuries, and he's in on it, right? He's in on the work, and you know, he's playing up his, his, his you know, and he's legitimately hurt, but he's they're playing up the fact that he's more hurt than he is, and they know that there's a good target date that they can have him back. Let's just say Wrestle Kingdom versus Tanahashi, which has been, you know, a speculated match that he might return for, which would obviously be the perfect match for him. I don't think there's, I don't think you could concoct a better match to return than versus Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom, third from the top. Uh, I, I think they would draw 40,000 fans if they had those three matches at Wrestle Kingdom this year, easily. Uh, but, but, you know, let's just say for the sake of the argument it's like the new work is the old work right i mean this is what wrestling you know wrestling promotions used to do for decades and decades they would fake serious injuries and people going blind and uh people being paralyzed and there there were no limits you know and you know and 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 and, and, and you know so i think she makes an excellent point we all hmm. want to think we are all afraid to be fooled and i do think if this shabata thing is a work in any way. If he comes back and he does return and it turns out that the injuries were um, exaggerated to some extent or whatever the case, I think there's going to be people who are legitimately angry at that. That
0: Right, because people have kind of poured their heart out for him.
1: Exactly. That this company fucked with their emotions and, and fucked with their heart. But here's the thing. Pro wrestling is built on fucking with your emotions, right? But Everyone has their own line. Are you you crossing the line when you're teasing the possibility of death? That's up to you, the fan. Um, I wouldn't be offended by it, but I could see why somebody might be. But this is what pro wrestling, pro wrestling was built on the backs of working you Mm -hmm. and fucking with your emotions. And the best pro wrestling ever is when they do manage to dig deep and get you emotionally. So there's a lot of truth to what she's, I think she's bang on with that point. You know, it's a, a lot of times with these G1 injuries, you know, it's, 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 I think we are being worked. And, um,
0: To some extent, at least, I'm not saying that all of them are... No, no, no. I'm I'm picking choose in Tanahashi Okada because those are just two examples that that come to my mind. I I I don't know. I have no inside story that Okada's fine. I don't know. I'm just saying, you you know, be skeptical that it's not, you know, just because they have tape on their neck and someone says that they have a hurt neck, don't assume that that means they definitely have a hurt neck and they shouldn't be working and and they're putting themselves in danger by working. I mean, don't... And I I think that
1: they may take legitimate injuries and exaggerate them.
0: In other words... Yeah. yeah, you know, Ishii's
1: leg or whatever, whoever's selling whatever, you know, Kojima, if Kojima's selling a banged up arm, maybe his arm is banged up, but not to the extent that they're, that he's saying in the pressers and the company is releasing.
0: Yeah, I, I think Seabacon, uh, I believe, on our forums, he, he brought up a pretty good example of uh, Royal Rumble 93 that, that Razor Ramon at that point had had a hurt knee, you know, going into the match. So they wanted something to sort of cover up the fact that he was limping a little bit and that his knee wasn't 100%. So Bret Hart worked his knee the entire time. Right which wasn't necessarily him like ravaging at the knee. And it wasn't like this guy shouldn't have been working, but it was like, Hey, I got this limp and you know, what's the, you, you know, how are we going to get around this? Uh, you know, I'm going to be selling something that, and, and they say, okay, you know, we'll, we'll attack the knee a little bit. We'll work on your leg or we'll work on that. So, you know, he, you know, that could be an example of, Hey, you know, Kata could really have a ravaged neck, and he's saying, Hey, whatever, still work on it. But exaggerated is, is you know, if he has a hurt neck, which I'm not saying he's, his, his neck is 100% fine, but if it's like, Yeah, I'm an a little bit, so I'm like, Okay, cool, let's play that up. Are you cool with us playing that up? Yeah, I am. Okay, let's do it. And then, you know, you kind of get that in the bloodstream and the news reports, Oh, you know, his neck's a little hurt or whatever, but you know, and then that's, you know, that's pro wrestling. That's pro wrestling 101, people, which is cool. We've gotten so far away from that, I think, in a little bit, which is it's cool that we're sort of coming back to another circle now. And you said you always say, you know, the, the new work is the old work. And it's 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 interesting to see that, you know, sort of turning around a little bit. You know, I remember um you know I back and watched a lot of the old uh you know the championship or the NWA, you know, the Saturday night um seven Saturday nights, those sort of things. And and the Magnum TA injury and it was so interesting that they had to tell people, no, 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 seriously. Like right, this right. guy's fucked. And like you know, you still had a little bit because NWA was always kind of a little bit of the smarter Sure. And I remember they had to go on there and be like, "No, we we swear he's fought." Like they had to do it. He had to come out. They had to really be like talk to doctors, show medical records, do all this sort of thing because people, I think, in their heart of hearts, didn't want to believe that this guy that they loved was gone forever, right? It would never come back or whatever. But how many people were saying, "All right, he's coming back." I mean, there are probably still people that are like, "I don't know," like any day now, you know? No, no. Of course, obviously, Magnum had had plenty of you know issues since then or whatever, but you know. How many people in 1989 were like, oh, dude, you know, what if Magnum comes back? Like, there were people that never let that go, that this guy at some point is going to come back and he's going to do something. And it took, you know, WCW having or NWA at the time having to say no, no, or, you know, Jim Crockett or whatever, having to say, no, we swear he's really hurt. Like, he's not coming back. And it was it was pretty interesting to see that sort of in that time period, in that era, compared to, you know, how injuries and, and, and serious injuries are handled. Uh, you know, these days. And, and we've, you know, wrestling has become so transparent and companies have become so transparent with us now that we take everything that they say at, a, at their word. And we have to remember again, that it's pro wrestling. And they're in the business of, of fooling you sometimes. So Tanahashi puts away
1: some geek at King of pro wrestling and defends his intercontinental title. And, uh, you know, he's out there and he's playing his air guitar and Shibata's music hits again. And he comes out and he goes nose to nose with Tanahashi. And uh, you know they shoot the angle for Wrestle Kingdom. Is Rich Cretch offended by this?
0: I'm not. I, I I was I was kind of dubious about it from the beginning. And I mentioned that even on the podcast as well. And 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 you know seeing what happened and seeing you know I I then have sort of softened my stance on it. But there's still a little bit of me that's like I. And the thing that got me was that New Japan was so quick to promote the headbutt and promote the match after it happened. And I'm still a little weirded out by that. If a guy, if they knew that a guy was seriously, really, really hurt on one of their shows, on the verge of death, I don't know that I would say, "Hey, go watch New Japan World." And oh, here's this awesome headbutt. Here's a bottle of stiff chops. That was always something that got me a little weird. Out. And, and how and, about the Kojima deleted tweet? Right. It's you know, and it's I like, was always weird. And again, I'm not saying I don't know. I was
1: we're always not trying a little, to look. We're not no, trying to no, stir no, the no, no,
0: no. It's, I've always been a little curious about it. Not necessarily that he wasn't hurt. I can imagine they maybe probably probably go to the hospital, but oh, maybe they what? said, okay, we got, to, let's, let's play this up a little bit. We've let's got give you a little bit here. of a break. And, let, and I don't know. Again, I have no evidence of that, but there it's, are it's things okay, that, he, yeah, things it sort shock of you at all. No, there was were breadcrumbs. There were breadcrumbs. I thought there were sure. plates that made me think that this wasn't totally what they had sort of said it was. So it's
1: like, all right, you're going to miss some time. So why don't we make some money off of this? Um, and, and make as much it's Pro wrestling money. Like at the end of the day it's,
0: I don't trust pro wrestling It's because it's, it's pro wrestling And that's the pro
1: wrestling con And, and if you're going to get angry That pro wrestling is conning you In such In this kind of manner I mean That just shows me Sort of a shift in fandom too Right I mean Because again This is what the basis Of pro wrestling is mm-hmm. Conning you out of your money By toying with your emotions I mean that's the basis Of the business But again We all think we're so smart And that we're offended If we're conned At this point um, and there's certain lines that we don't feel that that promotions should cross in in, in conning us, um, you know. Now, we were passed information um, from a New Japan headliner. Is it fair to call that person a New Japan headliner? I, I think that's fair. Yeah, a, a New Japan headliner is saying that he does not believe that um, uh, Shibata will ever wrestle again. But but here's the thing, um, and I don't believe that that person. Was telling you know, our the, our person that um, you know to, to to work him or con him, I don't think New Japan, uh, I don't think all of the wrestlers in New Japan are necessarily in on things. I mean, we had someone tell us once that who was participating in a G One that he had no idea what the booking was. <laughs> right,
0: right, right. Yeah. Like so, it's like yeah, we kind of joked to him, and he was like, I. I- couldn't win this tournament because I don't know. We were like, no, you can't enter, you know, jokingly. Hey, can I enter the tournament? I was like, well, no, you know, I was going to win everything. And he's like, no, nah, I don't even know who won. I'm going to win. to be. Yeah. Honest. So- they show up at the building and, and <laughs>
1: supposedly, I mean, now I, now I'm skeptical that the eventual winners and those sorts of things don't know the booking. I mean, cause don't you have, you have to subtly shoot your angles, sure, or sure, yeah. but who knows? I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a very secretive company and, um, You know, if they were going to pull this sort of rabbit out of their hat with someone like Shibata, I don't necessarily know if they would fill everybody in. But the deleted tweet was very mysterious. Why would you delete a tweet wishing someone well? Um, You know, I, I don't unless you were told, hey, man, you know, Ed Kojima, longtime veteran of the company. And they say, hey, you know, yeah, we're doing this. You know, he's going to be all right. And we're gonna play this up and bring him back, and then maybe a guy like Kojima's. Well, then fuck that. I'm not leaving this tweet up there for people to bump. <laughs>
0: right. And he's a bucks. he's a champion Twitter guy too. Like, let's uh, Kojima knows what the hell he's doing on that. Uh, yeah, on I don't I mean, want to look
1: like a piece of shit in six months <laughs> right. that I was working people because I thought this guy. You know, so who knows? It's mysterious that that tweet was deleted. There have been some cr- look, and I'm you know again, look. I'm not trying to stir this up, but and it was intentionally left very vague. I mean, he went in the ring and took a bump. He took a bump, Rich. The guy went in the ring and took a flat back bump. I mean, you know, they're telling us that this guy's head is so fragile. You know, that, you know, he...
0: barely walk. I'm having trouble walking. And and he's
1: taking a flat back bump.
0: I I wouldn't if that was the case, but, you know.
1: Now, look, you know, maybe I'm playing into suplex berry here and I just don't want to be worked. But the fact that, come on, some fishy things here. And I don't think people are out of line for following those breadcrumbs. I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's offensive to Shibata's injury or to Shibata. And shit, you know, Shibata's own comments. It's funny, you know. Um, He even said in his latest blog or whatever it is that people translate that he's like, "Hey, I don't regret anything. Wrestling's dangerous." So, it's kind of thing we talk about all the time. These guys know what they're getting into, guys. You know, and um, you know, for everything that's happened to him, and 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 you know, assuming it's all legit and on the up and up. Um, you know, out of his own mouth. Hey, man, wrestling's is dangerous. He went out the way he came in. I'm not going to do the whole romantic thing again. But oh
0: God, please don't. I mean, <laughs> that's your God. I mean, don't.
1: But but the I mean, it keeps proving that situation keeps proving me right. I mean, but but you know, it, it's he went out the way he wanted. Like, Why? Wow, you know, he's, he's like, hey, look, man, wrestling's is dangerous. You know, I, I regret nothing. So um, anyway, we we couldn't talk about this without bringing up the Shibata moment, which was look, that's an iconic moment. That's an all time moment. I mean, that was just tremendous. I mean. You know, and they baited everybody. They acted like they were going into intermission. They played some goofy promo gimmick, and then they were playing. And then his music hit out of nowhere, and there was this great moment where, because of where the camera was positioned, people were filing out for intermission, and then they all ran back to their seats when when his music hit, which was tremendous. And then, of course, all of the shots of women crying and men crying, for that matter, and just you know, just just you know, just a, a tremendously emotional scene and he's not a man of many words uh he went in there he took his flat back he (laughs) spit out a couple words and he got the fuck out of there but he didn't need to stand there and give a long speech you know so uh great moment there uh tremendous g1 uh i am glad it's over it it wears the fuck out of me um man I, i as much as I love it, Rich, I, I don't know, man. If, if we didn't do this show and we didn't run this website, I don't know if I'd watch all of it. I, I, I As much as I <laughs> – yes. I love wrestling. I love New Japan. I love the New Japan style. I was so I, glad it
0: was over. I just wanted to watch something that wasn't New Japan for like two weeks. <laughs> it's been so good this week. I've watched like NXT. I've watched, you know, I was watching uh, the Noah. I was watching that Nakajima, Brian cage. It's like, Oh my God, there is wrestling outside of New Japan because I'm yeah. just with it. Like there's just so much over those few weeks and it's great. Like, I feel like, I feel like an asshole complaining about it. Cause it's like, Hey, here's, here's a month of really awesome wrestling every single day. But it's like, sometimes it's just like, I just, cause we're not allowed to take, a, you know, of say, ah you know what? Nights 7 through 12, ah, fuck that. I'm not watching those. You know, who cares? Whatever. It's like, God, it's just... It's, yeah, I mean... It's, yeah, it's too I, much, and I feel bad because I, I want to watch so much other wrestling, and then I get caught behind, and I'm like, well, fuck, what did I miss? And it's been like a whole month of, like, stuff that I am... There's no chance I'm going to catch up and see it. So, you, you know, the train has I mean, asked me for those things. So
1: I'd watch all the main events and the big matches, but there'd definitely be undercards, like... Not undercard stuff, but, um, you know, Yano matches and things like that, that I would skip. I mean, there's no <laughs> question. But you have to watch it all for doing this. I mean, you just have to be on top of it and you have to watch it. I took a lot of shit for watching that big Japan sumo hall show from people. But yeah, people are really cool. on you about
0: that. I don't know why. I don't know yet. what they
1: were so angry about. It's one of the, you know, biggest shows of the How year.
0: Here you watch wrestling, Joe. <laughs> you son of a bitch.
1: Like... I mean, look, it's, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, if I'm going to do a pro wrestling talk show, I, I've got to watch big Japan's biggest if big Japan's running sumo hall. I got to watch the show rich. It's, I don't know why people were all over me. I know it was several weeks late, but you know, if I'm going to talk about the year in wrestling in a couple months and those sorts of things, and I've got to watch the show. You I better mean, that's watch fucking Peter
0: Pan like this week or next week, Joe, cause God, forbid, I'm going to watch
1: Peter are... Pan. I'm watching that either live or on video on demand. Cause okay, I'm going to buy the gimmick. I think this is a good time to buy it, you know, cause perfect if, time. Yeah. Yeah, you watch Peter Pan, and what I'm going to do is uh, I've got my list of wrecks, and I'm going to – I haven't seen a single DDT match all year, obviously, because I, I haven't been on the service. And I'm going to go back and watch all the big stuff from DDT and then watch Peter Pan and um, you know, let th- let it run out, and then I'll probably buy it again in December and catch up on everything between uh, August and December. So uh, perfect time, really, to buy their gimmick, though, with their biggest show of the year coming up, um, the, the horribly titled Peter Pan show, which <laughs> – <laughs> it's just a terrible name for a pro wrestling event. I mean, it's just stupid. But, uh, you know, uh, but whatever. That's what they call their big show and they have for many years. It's like we don't even think it's odd anymore. You know, oh, DDT, Peter Pan. It's, and
0: it's DDT, too, which is certain. Yeah,
1: helps. the first time I heard that years ago, I like it's a stupid name for a show. This is ridiculous, you know? It's like, what are we going to have? Heat up Harry Potter next or uh, – <laughs> <laughs> are we gonna have a valve uh John shaft I mean what, what what else are we gonna do here I mean you know uh, yeah Peter Pan well what the fuck? Well, and that,
0: that it is the biggest show of the year too in sumo Hall of the best too. it's just so DDT, and that's perfect but uh we're we gonna have
1: a we- uh, shimmer shimmer volume 98 little orphan Annie I mean what's <laughs> you know what, what what are
0: we doing oh, here? You know, hey, that'd be a pretty good gimmick. But uh, yeah, as far as as far as Peter Pan, I, we won't have a ton of time to talk about it here. But uh, we will, we will both watch it. I'm going to watch it as well. Uh, if you do want an extensive preview of Peter Pan, we have a written one up on the website right now. And as I mentioned, on Burning Spirits, uh, a, a podcast on our our network right now. We have Jimmy Od from uh, Dramatic DDT, the English language DDT site, who joined Drew uh, to preview the entire show, top to bottom. And it's a huge show. It's going to be like six hours long. It's so you need you need experts to kind of preview that for you so definitely go there check out the written preview our burning spirits crew did that and then listen to the, the this week's burning spirits if you want to get all things uh ddc peter pan because they did a an awesome job in in, in both of, of kind of breaking down what's what well, looks like a really fun card but a card that i don't know that you and i could do a ton of justice
1: no for, i just know? said i haven't watched a single DDT right. match all year so we're not going to sit so what here thinking
0: about all? antonio honda's year joe <laughs>
1: right i mean Let's we go. can't be <laughs> frauds and 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 Preview a show that we we uh, you know we're not going to parachute in and do that like some other shows might do. We're not going to do that. So, uh, but we may. I don't know. If we both watch it, we might talk about it. Yeah, we I'd know. like
0: to. I mean, at least I always uh, like to. You know, the comedy kind of. I you know, I kind of hit or miss on the comedy. I, I don't hate it as much as you do. But for, the big matches for sure, like the, the main event Akashita uh, versus Endo. I mean, that one definitely we should talk about and whatever else is gonna count. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's yeah. quite a few good ones. I mean, you got you got uh, uh, who's there. Um, I'm blanking on who the hell's there. Or oh, Murafuji's there. Yeah, he's he's coming in. So they have some really cool stuff. I mean, there's a lot of really cool matches on that show. So uh, we'll definitely talk about it. Are we gonna break down like the you know the the Iron Man title match or whatever? Maybe not. But you know, we're we'll, gonna we'll break down
1: Transam Hiroshi.
0: <laughs> I don't know if he's on the show. I didn't see his name listed there. I imagine he can't. You can't have a DDT show without him. But I don't know, I, I love that guy. I don't know what you're But anyway, awful <laughs> shit. Uh, but no. But the, the
1: listen, DDT for me. You know, I, you know, I, you know, before they got their service, I, you know, I, I kept up with DDT. The top half of their cards are always tremendous. takeshita and Endo and, and, uh, Hiroshima and guys like that. Um, you know, so it's just a, not a promotion I was willing to pay for and didn't have really time. It's not even that I wasn't willing to pay for it. Who the fuck has time? It just goes on the back burner. You know, I, it's like, uh, I've got to re up my demand progress, you know, in the next week or so to catch up on the five or six shows I'm behind with progress. So, um, there's just, everyone has these services now and it's, it's, a, it's an issue of money. It's an issue of time, rich. It's like, you can't try to consume everything because it's going to make you unhappy as a fan, you know, because you're going to be depressed because you can't keep up or you're going to get burnt out on trying to watch so much wrestling. So now more than ever, do you ever hear built that, that point Bill Simmons always used to make, he says, the older you get, the less like major sports that you can follow intimately because you just don't have time. The older you get, I used to
0: be like an avid MLB guy. I would watch everything. I mean, I find myself watching so much less baseball than I ever watched before. And it's, it's not necessarily intentional It's not because I don't like baseball. It's just like the day's over and I'm like, fuck, you know, like, or it'll be a week. and I'm like, shit, I haven't watched like a single inning of baseball all week. Like, how does that happen? How do I do that? And it's
1: funny. That's the sport you used as a comparison because that that's Bill Simmons deal. He says he doesn't follow baseball as close as he does. NBA or the NFL, just because something has to fall by the wayside. And his point was always when I was a kid, I followed NHL,
0: baseball. Uh, <laughs> I know. I was like, I love the NHL and I loved, uh, yeah, I used to follow NFL, NHL, NBA, Everything. and MLB. I, and, that, and now I don't follow, I don't watch any NFL. <laughs> I don't watch any NHL. And I right. barely have time for MLB now. I mean, I pretty much just NBA is is what I go. I'll jump in, you know, come playoff time or whatever, which is similar yeah, to D, yeah. you know DDT. I'll come in when you're in Sumo Hall. I'll come in when it's the World Series in the playoffs. But man, I'm not watching, you know, DNA 34. I, I'm sorry, <laughs> like right. I, just, I don't right. know. I wish, I wish I was 15. Like we always, uh, you you were talking about that on the Slack. Like what I would give to be 15 right now, right? When I would just have all the fucking time in the world, just sit around and do. What nothing. I would
1: give to be Case Low right now. <laughs>
0: I know what a, what a, he's going to the college. We're gonna see a new Case Low here in a little bit. Ah, fuck,
1: you know, college, same shit. They got all the time in the world. <laughs> That's true. It's,
0: but they waste going, it. They just nap like assholes all the time. So. Yeah,
1: instead of playing beer pong and drinking fucking beer out of a solo cup, you know, you can keep up with the graps. you know. That's not going to help, you know, with the ladies, necessarily. But it, uh, it you know... so It's it, a
0: new world, Joe. I don't know.
1: Don't be so sure. Listen, I don't care if it's the new world, the old world, or the fucking New Ooh. Japan world. Uh, watching wrestling isn't going to help you with the ladies. It may not necessarily hurt you, in certain cases, but it's not going to help you uh, with the ladies. Okay. I'm sorry. It's just not. But uh, but yeah. So, what were we talking about? DDT, correct?
0: Are you saying um, the nurse only tolerates my watching wrestling and doesn't appreciate it? The
1: nurse didn't marry you because you do a three hour <laughs> wrestling podcast. Okay, pal. Let's face it.
0: I get a free blue um, apron, though. She does enjoy that.
1: So. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I <laughs> it's think- not this week, though. I think even women who are wrestling fans are a little put off by men that are wrestling fans. So I don't even think if you find a female wrestling fan, that's going to necessarily help you with her because she's going to think you're a creep if you're a male wrestling fan. So it's just no good all around. Uh, But uh, so, case.
0: Take advice with Joe.
1: Don't (laughs) tell any of the ladies in college that you're a big Dragon Gate fan. I listen. Uh, That would I I beg to differ. I
0: beg to differ. They they better like you for what you are.
1: No, no, you hold that. Listen. You hold no. that in your back pocket nope. until, until you get to know her well enough. And then, listen, Not when you first meet somebody, they don't need to know everything about you. You slowly let information out. What's important to you,
0: though? Like, I had to date to tell Michelle, hey, by the way, every Thursday I talk to this little jag off <laughs> from New Jersey. So just be aware of that. And it's because I watch wrestling, and then we got into a giant. And then like I was like, well, that's the end of that. Because I had to tell her, like, hey, you're going to want to hang out on a Thursday, and I'm going to have to tell you, nope, I can't. i got to talk wrestling for three hours. I, I couldn't hide that for how long was I gonna be able to hide that for I but, like I put it out there and I yeah, yeah. surprisingly enough I tell them I podcast
1: probably three or four three or four dates in but here's the thing
0: I let okay, them in that's not terribly that's not like I thought you were saying like five months in you're like oh by the way the reason I'm never available nah,
1: Rich you don't wait okay. till you, have, you don't wait until you have three kids yeah you, know, <laughs> I was, you don't oh, no, I don't show up to meet a woman. And be like, oh, by the way, I've got four episodes of Monday Night Raw on my DVR. No, because that's that, that's a bad move, Rich. It's a bad move. But
0: I think th- day, day three to five is is, is okay for me. I yeah, went aggressive with, with the two, three, but yeah, three five is probably probably. The
1: third or okay. fourth date, I, yeah, will... I thought
0: you were like months in, and I was like, no, you can't let that. No, go no, no, that's much. ridiculous. Okay,
1: you're, if you know someone for like six months that you're you're intimately getting to know them, I mean, they they're gonna you know, uh, you know, but yeah, by a third or fourth date, I let them in. On the podcasting, but I break them in slow with the Lanza unfiltered. You know, it's a little less dorky uh, than than the uh, than than the wrestling content. Uh, but here's the thing: we're in a new world, as you know, Rich, mm-hmm. with with the computers and the internet. <laughs> yeah, this, right? whole,
0: this so, America <laughs> Online thing's really taken off. <laughs> that's really right, loaded.
1: So, so what happens is they usually have, will have Googled me by then and found the voices of wrestling and the podcast and all That's that too who
0: am i trying to fool you're gonna look up my name and you're gonna find me in 45 Absolutely. seconds yeah <laughs> i think it's not yeah. hard to figure out what i do <laughs>
1: so i you know i think i finally surpassed professional golfer joe lanza in the google results Oh, congratulations uh, let's yeah. test that right now let's see
0: or the uh the the uh, sandy hook kid right or was he not was he joseph lanza what was his name Adam, Adam Lanza. Adam Lanza. Adam Lanza uh,
1: yeah, I have not, Rich, I have not oh, only Oh, you're surpassed above that actor.
0: You're above that little dickwad. Uh, I'm above the actor. Right
1: <laughs> I am above the actor from Orange is the New Black. Uh, I am the top Joe Lanza in the Google database. How about that? Um, so there you go. And I'm, I'm ahead of the actor, the golfer. And Joe is yeah,
0: nowhere to be seen. That no, one.
1: and Joe Socks Lanza, the old uh, gangster. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I I'm oh, there
0: calling. is a uh, there is a uh, CPA that's named Joe Lanza in Chicago. Would you like me to kill him for you?
1: Listen, he's obviously no match for me. My Twitter account is on top of the Joe Lanza IMDb.
0: Yeah, per uh, <laughs> and, uh <laughs> for this LinkedIn, he is the inspections leader at I uh, co- I won't say what company, but yeah, there you go. Been there for eleven years. That's a long time to be inspections leader i don't know what an inspections leader does but
1: you know when that season of Orange Is the new black came out i was flooded flooded <laughs> with i swear to you i was flooded with dms from like women uh who thought because that guy apparently wasn't on twitter um yeah yeah the egg account with 600 followers
0: is, is probably actor jolanda yeah yeah.
1: but you know it's like come on toots what are we doing here obviously i'm not this guy but uh yeah so um yeah, man, I had bare breasts in my DMs. It was it was a wild scene, Rich. Uh, but, uh, you know, what are you going to do when <laughs> such the Such is Adler?
0: life, yeah, such as life. There's a name
1: yeah. with the great Lanza of... Uh, you know, when you share a name with the king of banter, it's a risky proposition, <laughs> you know? So...
0: All right, let's get to this uh, this uh, busy WWE weekend here. Yo, um, did
1: I really say bare breasts. That's so gross. Yeah, yeah
0: it's like, it's why I did I just was. say? That's how kid. my dad would describe yeah. getting you know.
1: <laughs> totally, just disgusting. Just
0: bare disgusting. breasts, not tits,
1: not tits, not boobs. I even would have preferred. Yeah, boobs, boobs
0: would have right? Yeah, I would have gone boobs. You know, bare would, breasts with bare breasts vaginas <laughs> sent to my <laughs> DM. Yeah. I had ve-
1: I had many moist vaginas in my DM box, Rich. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I had very, I had many moist, creamy vaginas in my. Uh, uh, is there anything more uh, disgusting than? Yeah, a, the than the, yeah, the moist and creamy to describe pretty much anything, um, you know. But yeah, why did I say bare breasts? <laughs> what uh, what is wrong with me? I've, I listen. The listeners have free reign to bury me for that one. Yeah, bare that, that you, really.
0: you. I'm know, gonna make sure the show ends early so that I don't have to cut anything out, and that that can be. Preserved for for all times. So.
1: We're gonna do an experiment.
0: Okay.
1: I'm gonna text the current woman that I'm speaking with, talking to, whatever the kids on the street are calling it these days. When you're not really dating someone yet, but you clearly have something going on. What do you call that? What do they call that these days? Uh, see, I'm not
0: very good at whatever that was. So
1: yeah. I, so
0: I'm probably the wrong person to ask. Uh, hooking up. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Hanging yeah. out. Hanging out. Hanging so out. Hooking up. We're at the point where the banter's pretty hot. Hanging out. Hanging out. I'm hanging out with her. We're hanging
1: out, yeah. Uh, I'm seeing someone. That's a 70s way of saying it.
0: Seeing it. Um, I always thought seeing was like, seeing isn't dating.
1: I don't know. I think that's before dating. Okay. I think that's before dating. The other one is talking to. That was like the 90s. Talking to. Yeah.
0: One of my, my, uh, this is a weird one, and I don't know what the hell this was, is one of my buddies said that he was like traveling with a girl.
1: Oh, see, that's weird.
0: And I was like, what? I was like, do you just like bang at Red Roof Inns or whatever? Or like, you guys go on vacations, even though you're not? Like, I'm, I'll am i be honest. I'm not taking, if we're just like the, you know, whatever, you and this, li- I don't think I'm like, hey, do you want to go to, you know, Portland with me? I, like, you know, like th- at that point, it's like, all right, well, no, like, what are we doing? Are we like a thing? Because or- if you're a- like, hey, Portland. get in the plane and let's go to Portland with me, I think you're past the hanging out point, right? I don't know.
1: I would say so. Uh, so traveling. Uh, I'm
0: traveling, but don't use that. That's <laughs> No. So here's
1: what I'm going to do with this girl that I'm uh, talking to, Rich. Mm-hmm. Hang on. Uh, we're, at, we're at the point where the banter is pretty hot. So she understands my sense of humor and uh, the way Joe Lanza rolls. So let's do a little experiment on okay. the air. See if she answers back um, before the show ends in about an hour here. Um, I'm going to ask her, I'm going to, I'm going to say, may I see your bare breasts and we'll see how she responds to that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We get an LOL, you get an emoji. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this,
1: may I see your bare breasts with the S that's a hard one to pronounce. Breasts.
0: Yeah. You need to have breasts.
1: Yeah. May I see. Okay. The text says, may I see your bare breasts? That's it. No context. I think that's the,
0: like a, a sext from 1935 or something like that. Like,
1: yeah, because a the
0: sext telegram, whatever the telegrams were, like,
1: <laughs> yes, because the last text in the conversation is "I'm at phone call. You, I'm at work. Call you back later." So there's no context for this. It's just, "May I see your bare breasts?" So I'm going to send that off, and we'll see how. Uh, the lovely britney responds to this oh, okay. so there we go may i see your bear- Brittany's a, a hot name right
0: oh i, have, I like, was about to say yeah any, there's any... a
1: chance if you're dating a britney that oh yeah
0: there was every britney i've ever really met i i have been a fan of so the problem is
1: i have several britneys in my um <laughs> in my phone so i had to distinguish so i have a uh, bad britney hot britney Good Britney. Why do you still have Bad Britney in your list? I, listen, you never delete a number. Maybe let Bad Britney go.
0: go. Maybe let Bad no. Britney go. <laughs>
1: no, you never delete a number. You keep them in because there's there's always a dark, lonely night. You know. Here's the other reason you always keep someone in your phone. If Bad Britney sends me like a dark, lonely night text or something, I'll know who friend. it is. Right. Yeah, okay. It won't just be random phone number. It'll say Bad Britney, and I can choose to avoid. Or I can choose to make a Joanne's mistake. You see what I'm saying? So that's why I leave everyone in the phone. Even asterix Eight, who's still in my phone, because I don't know her name. So it's just in there as asterix Eight. Um, but yeah, there's Bad Britney, Good Britney, Hot Britney, Work Britney. There's four Britneys in my phone, and you gotta distinguish between them. You know, I mean, so you, you, because you, it would be very bad to send Work Britney. May I see your bare breasts?
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, that could that could go wrong. Because
1: then it would be unemployed Joe.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: So you can't send work, Brittany. May I see? So you have to make sure you send that to Hot Brittany, which is who I sent it to here. May I see your bare breasts? So uh, we'll see. She's. Got I have, have a pretty respond. funny
0: uh, story about that. So I was I was trying to text w- one girl. Um, let's say Laura. I, you know, I I don't even for the, for the purposes of this, it's been in. So the, I had two Laura's on my phone, and I did not know which one was which. So one Laura wanted to know this the show that I was talking about. It was like this. It was some. Uh, it was some discovery ID show about like, it was a murders or one of those, you know, true crime murder shows or whatever. And it was called sins and secrets or whatever. So I said, so I sent a message to the, to who I assume was that Laura. And it was, you want to watch sins and secrets or watch sins and secrets or something like that. And then I sent it to the wrong Laura. This was a Laura that was like way back in the day on like match or whatever. And she was just like, is this the same rich from match? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, what are you talking about? And like, cause I just saw that message and I didn't quite know like what, when I sent her or whatever. And I look back and I'm like, Oh, like you read that and was like, we talked for like mm. five weeks, like a year and a half ago. And now you're going to tell me like, just out of the blue at like, and this was like at 1am on like a Saturday or whatever. It was like really yeah. creepy. And she was just like, why is my number still on your phone? And I was like, yeah, I, I know I'm going to leave it out.
1: Yeah. It's it now you embarrass yourself. Yeah.
0: Like since, yeah. And that's, you can't know. You know? Sin Secrets is a fantastic show, though, but yeah, not for. Uh, she thought at 1 a.m. Saturday tax telling her about Sins and Secrets was a little bit uh, like a yeah, weird hit on, it, like, let's it, watch porn together or something. And it it was,
1: sounds like a Cinemax porn.
0: Exactly. Not like a good porn, but like a really shitty Cinemax one. Yeah.
1: Yeah, funny. with like saxophone music and, you know, just, just bad stuff, you know, where. It's like uh, it's like this, you know, simulated sex from the weird angles where you really, you know, they're really not banging. You know, it's on Showtime at like 1:20 a.m. That kind of shit. That's what it sounds like. You want her to come over and watch. That's a creepy text, Rich.
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah, and I was like, I, am so sorry. <laughs> like, she's like, I'm seeing somebody. I was like, I know. I'm fine. I'm like engaged. Like, I know. Like, was... why would anyone watch the
1: fake Showtime porn when you could just turn on your computer? And put yeah, it off, like,
0: like I got it. I mean, I watched like the the, the Skinamax back when I was like, you know, 12 and it was 1997 or whatever. But that was, you know, or I would watch scrambled porn and be like, I think that's a boob or maybe a male breast. I don't care. I'm going to assume it was a boob like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, like that's how I had to do it. But now I cannot imagine any. Well, they don't have that anymore. Right. Skinamax has got to be done. Right. No, 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 no. Don't. Is no. it not? Those There's movies, still. Those movies a thousand percent exist. How? Why? Why do porn stores exist? Have, do you ever go on the highway and there's like DVD and video stores or whatever? Yes. Other than well, going there to whack off, because you go and whack off in the back room. Is that what? Yeah, it is? exactly.
1: Yeah, I'm okay. just gonna All say right. a lot of those have. Uh... <laughs> rooms jerk off rooms they have uh glory holes there's all kinds of shit going on in those places so you know that, that that's i think the dvd business is not what carrying them oh,
0: okay it's the glory hole business all <laughs> right makes, more, is, like, makes a lot of sense yeah the, the adult bookstores
1: aren't making their money off books okay it, it's it. uh there's a lot else going on in there but uh you know there's a reason there's no windows in those places but yeah so um I always off the highway though i like it. is
0: it for a quick getaway it's always like a you know, is I think ex- the more. You know. I can
1: explain that too, Rich. It's zoning laws. You can't put shit like that in a neighborhood next to a McDonald's because of the zoning laws. Just like you don't have strip clubs, mm-hmm. and, so you know you got to put them in. They have no choice but to put them on highways where there's more lenient zoning and things. Yeah,
0: like the, that. the one that I know of is like right next to like the most prominent rest stop in like a certain area. Like everybody stops at this rest stop. Yeah, it's so, like it's so. right next to a beach. So if you want to go to the beach, you have to pass the lion's den before you do that. So <laughs> Listen,
1: the lion's
0: den <laughs> always, Samrock uh, is not there. I assure you. Dan <laughs> Severn is not refereeing a match in that lion's den.
1: There's always an animal involved in these names, you know, like the tiger's paw, the lion's den.
0: Oh, yeah, it's, it's it's yeah, it's always got to be a little the panther
1: stalks or whatever, whatever <laughs> the fuck, you know, Maybe some kind of jungle cat is involved in this in some manner. You know, it's, uh, you know, the cheetah room. You know, so it's, uh, why is it, what is it with uh, the jungle cheetahs,
0: cat? Isn't Cheetahs the famous Atlanta strip club?
1: What is with, yeah, it was also the, uh, in the movie Strip was the cheap with club cheetahs. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. that Nomi worked in before she moved on to, uh, you know, her dancing gig uh, as the understudy of the lovely Gina Gershon. Gina Gershon, one of jo Lanza's top picks, let me tell you, that is a sexy woman. But why is it always a jungle cat, Rich? I Is there something <laughs> sexy about a jungle cat? I don't see Jungle Cats as being sexy or alluring. I think they'll just rip your eyes out with their paws, right? Oh, I good mean,
0: call like, on Good call I never knew what this woman's name was, but yeah, you're you're right on the money. Yeah, know Gershon? Yeah. Oh, she's the
1: best. Oh, my gosh. So
0: I'm looking at a 2017 photo. Oh,
1: she's still super hot. And, like, I'm not even into the MILF thing like you are, but she's got to yeah, be, for, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. 53, 54 years old. And Gina Gershon is top shelf, my friend. I mean, no, there's no, just her l-
0: name. I've always, like, known her and been like, yeah, she's pretty hot, but she's 55. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's a good 55.
1: <laughs> that is... Oh, listen. I'd kick hot Britney to the curb in a second for Gina, <laughs> Gina. Gershon. Are you kidding me? And today, like, in this day and age.
0: Yeah, 55.
1: That's a good... And the thing about Gina Gershon is not... It's not just that she's attractive. She's one of these women... That's just sexy, right? She just exudes sexiness, Gina Gershon. Like the way she moves, the way she talks, the way she carries herself. It's just a sexy woman, Rich. Very high on the list. I don't know if she's above Danielle Harris, but it's close.
0: Oh, yeah, we had this discussion, yeah.
1: We did have it. But Gina Gershon, yeah. I can't believe you
0: didn't know who that was. I, know, I always knew who she was, but I never—I don't know if I knew her name necessarily. But I, I don't know why. I mean, as a as a fan of milfs and uh, brunettes, is, right up your alley. Yeah, I was gonna say this, this, is, this is simple casting is right is here. Not,
1: yeah, this is not the rich alley. Nothing.
0: <laughs> I know. Yeah, you
1: know. So uh, yeah, and not uh, like
0: blow away. Like you know, what I mean, like you like you said, there's a certain there's a certain thing to being like beautiful versus sexy, and like yeah, she's exactly. not like a. Exactly. Like 100, like, oh my god, like, that's a stunning beauty. It's like, yeah, she's fucking sexy. Yeah, like that, I mean, yeah. this,
1: is, this is clearly an attractive woman, and but you, you she's more sexy than pretty. Right. I know, what you're saying. like, I always use the friends analogy like, Courtney Cox, beautiful, Jennifer Aniston, sexy. You know what I mean? Like, there's a difference, you know, like. Courtney Cox, many people may think she's prettier than Jennifer Aniston, but Jennifer Aniston just exudes sexiness more than Courtney Cox does. Gina Gershon is just a sexy woman. There's just no way around it, even at fifty-five. All
0: right. Well, speaking of sexy, I have no idea how to uh, transfer here, but NXT takeover, Joe, because we got to talk about NXT and this weekend in WWE. Uh, pretty, pretty awkward transition. Uh, yeah, you know, speaking of sexy, Drew McIntyre in the main event <laughs> <Yeah>. again. <laughs> Speaking of unbridled sexiness, a good looking guy, right? I mean, you know, yeah, you know, Bobby Roode, beautiful, Drew McIntyre sexy. There you go. There's a perfect example right there of uh yeah, I have no idea what we're doing here. Um, um yeah, NXT Takeover. Uh you wanna you want me to run down the card here real quick, or do you want to go match by match here and kind of talk about our thoughts?
1: Uh yeah, listen, I'm caught up on the NXT. And, right. Well, uh, the,
0: the the actual go home show was going on while we record this. We haven't seen that, but more is four times if it follows the NXT thing, it's kind of just I know they have Roderick Strong. And uh McIntyre on that show, but I think more times than not, it's usually just kind of the promo videos or contract signings or whatnot. So
1: I have some changing thoughts on at least one of these matches, so it should be an interesting conversation. So all
0: um, right, yeah, let's uh, let's go match by match here. So we'll start off uh, Gargano uh versus Andreas Sin Almas. This is the new attitude of Andreas Sin Almas, uh Gargano with his return after the Tommaso Champa uh attack at NXT Takeover Chicago. So interesting match here. I you gotta assume that Gargano wins, but I don't know, they could play the Gargano's Got to work his way back up, sort of story too, and, and Almus is a guy that that maybe you know with a renewed uh, attitude that they might be wanting to build up. But he's kind of always been the job guy for a while, and and until he's not the job guy, I, I'm going to kind of pick him to be the job guy. So
1: I think that um, Gargano eventually, obviously, is going to get a singles push, and he's going to have the big feud with uh, with his boy Tommaso uh, when he returns. But, uh, and Almas, I think, is dead in the water. I don't think he's going to be saved with this valet. I think his future is in Mexico. Um, I think he did his best work outside of this company. It's just not working for him. But I think Almas could win this. I don't know if you necessarily have to start heating up Gargano yet. Um, but you know, eventually he'll get he'll get pushed, but he's also a great guy to put someone over, right? If you're gonna start pushing the other dude. So
0: Yeah, and I like the idea. Um, I mean, Gargano's a great underdog too. So you can almost yeah. have a story where then he, you know, after this attack, he can't get back on the right track. Like he you know, he, he can't get focused. He's losing all these matches or whatever, and it takes Ciampa coming back for him to snap back in and go, Okay, now I'm I'm refocused or whatever. That, that, that to me that'd be a much cooler story than like him just coming back and winning and then just it's you know, kind of business as usual. I like the idea that that he's really gotta work his way back from that attack and he's really just lost his Confidence and all that sort of stuff. So,
1: Almas has had a few matches that I've enjoyed in NXT. He hasn't had one that I thought, that I thought was great. Uh, so I think that um, uh, this is a chance working with Gargano. Maybe he has his best match um, uh, in NXT yet. So uh, we'll see. Uh, but I, I do think it's a, it's a coin flip match. Um, of course, not, not seeing the uh, final show of the build. Maybe I would change my opinion. But for me, it's a coin flip match.
0: Uh, this match that strangely I'm like disappointed in, and I'll kind of explain why I am. Uh, oh, this but is a
1: joke. It's an absolute joke. It's
0: it's pretty ridiculous. So Alistair Black versus Hideo Itami. Which, if you've been watching the build, I, why is this the match? And why? Where's Chris Hero and or Kessie Ono? Why, why? What? Like yeah. they spend weeks building up Itami and Ono, and it's just like Itami versus Black. All right, fuck it, whatever.
1: Doesn't make any sense. This and I wanna watch
0: this match. It's gonna be a good match, but it's like fuck. That's not yeah. the build. Like, I mean, yeah, this.
1: this needs to be a Tommy and, and and Ono. I mean, especially at TakeOver Brooklyn. Um, you know, they're 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 this this is their biggest takeover event. Um, look, you know, Cassius Ono is in is not in good graces with management again. And um that's not take long? That, That's not a rumor. That's not me talking about this um because he's not booked in this match and speculating. That's just what we've been told. So um, once again, this happened again. Um, he's having the same problems he had last time. And uh, I think this is a reflection of that. You know, it's you look at his takeover history. He was a last minute substitution in one match. And isn't this, he hasn't been on another takeover, correct?
0: His long takeover uh, appearance uh, was takeover Orlando in April. And he teamed with Roger Strong, Ruby Riot, and Ty Dillinger and was inserted in the last minute.
1: Right. Wasn't even announced for the show. He was a la- He replaced yep. No Way Jose, I believe.
0: Uh, that is correct, yeah. No, who was, was attacked before the match, and then Chris Hero came, or, or Katsuzono came. Uh, yeah. That was in April. We are now in August.
1: Hey, guys, I think you're going to be seeing Chris Hero again very soon. I I mean, because here's the thing. He's on the wrong side of 30, the wrong side of the middle. Isn't he like 36 at this point?
0: Uh, yeah, he's a little um, older than you would actually think. He's one of those weird... 37. is, is 37
1: is years old. Um, He's got a lot of enemies in management, and they, you know, just... his. His body's obviously working against him. They have him working in that hideous gear. Oh, my God. And uh, Which look,
0: has to be a rib. That's got to be a rib.
1: And look, the guy's great. But, you know, this is why I was cold on him returning, you know? And, 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 and when we talked about it on the show, I was like, look, Chris Hero's gone, guys. This hot run that we just saw, it's over. Because he's going to come to this company, and he's not going to get the same opportunities, and it's played out that way. He's not getting any opportunities. And it's a shame, and it's bullshit, because... This match was well built.
0: It was awesome. I was all in on it. Like this is good. Great. We got Ono versus uh Tommy. I can't wait. Because I don't this watch I don't read the spoilers This is the best stuff they're it, yeah.
1: doing on the show. Yep. This is some of the best sense. stuff they're doing on the show.
0: Yeah, Ono's like, "Hey, dude, chill out," and Tommy's like, "You know, fuck you. I'm not. You know, it was it was very subtle in that sense. It wasn't no oh, hitting you over the head or whatever, but it made right. sense. Like former friends, and Tommy's just like, "Fuck no. I'm I'm frustrated, and I don't want really to hear it. Like I want to hear you like, calm down or chill out or it's gonna be okay. Shit, I've been sitting here for too long, and then fuck this. I'm done.
1: Yeah, this is absolute bullshit, and uh, you know." Black is on the winning streak, he'll win this too. Yeah, and,
0: and that's the problem too, is the time he's gonna lose. And it's just like and then he's gonna just be nothing. It's just gonna be he existed in this match. And,
1: or they'll just continue his uh story of of being frustrated and 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 it costing him magic. I don't know. But the point is he should be wrestling oh no. I don't care what they do here. He should be wrestling oh no. This is bullshit. This doesn't make any sense. I don't know. It it, it drives me nuts.
0: It's had to be a plans change type thing. And and I don't know. Again, like I don't read the spoilers, so I don't know when this, the the but it just was really weird the way it went. Uh, it's it just the build was going in one direction, and then just completely went the other uh, in in no time. So I don't know if this was the intention. I don't know what it is, but it's it's it it sucks. Yeah, it's really a waste of, of what could have been a really awesome match. The arguably the best built match on this entire show is one that's not even happening, which is, absolutely is really saying something. Not arguably the best built. Yeah, it's
1: and, and I'll tell you, the main event too should be rude and strong. You know, so it's like there's two matches on this show where yeah, they, they
0: keep building that up. And then that's not the match either. Like,
1: yeah. And it, it's like, you know, especially coming off the dusty finish and all that, you know, there's two matches on the show where it's the wrong opponent, but, uh, you know,
0: <sighs> that's all right. Uh, the tag team titles here, you got it. the authors of pain, the champions defending against sanity, uh, it's Alexander Wolf and Killian Dane, of course. And of course, thankfully Eric Young is back so he can scream while things happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, sanity stinks. Uh, it's a shame because Killian Dane uh, so has been low key awesome. Did you finally watch that match he had with Drew McIntyre for the number one contendership?
0: Uh, no, I didn't. No, sorry, you didn't tell me that. Yeah,
1: listen, listen, that yeah. you need to watch. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm doing you a favor, okay, pal. You need to watch that match because it was an excellent match. Um, but yeah, make sure you watch that Killian Dane Drew McIntyre match. Um, you know, sanity stinks. I want them to get called up so they can get off of NXT, which is the best show that this company produces. Um, Authors of pain. I'm not as high on them as other people are. I'm not as high on them as you are. I think they are uh, largely carried by the, uh, the the better teams that they work with. And I think that they're exposed to some degree when they wrestle teams that are of their experience level. And that's yeah. not to say that I think they stink or anything. I think these guys clearly have a ton of potential. They're real athletes. They're big dudes. They're hosses. They do a lot of things I like. but. Listen, you watch them against heavy machinery or, you know, you, you take away Gargano and Giampa or, or you take away, uh, you know, TMDK uh, whatever they were called. I don't even remember. What were they? TM61 or something like that? Yeah. T-
0: yeah. TM60 or 60. You know, know.
1: If you take okay. away those guys flying around and taking big bumps for them and doing all those sorts of things – uh, it kind of exposes the authors of pain a little bit. I, I, I look, their upside is clearly there. You know, I wish they had different gear. Why are they covering these guys up? They're not fat guys. They're big, strong, athletic, big dudes, you know, you know, but I think their gear works against them. Can we get away from like the SWAT team pants on it? Yeah. Everyone?
0: yeah. They, they're it's, probably past that. It's, it's, it's played out now at this point. So.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, the, and covering up their, their – there—he's a barrel-chested guy. You know, let's see how big they are and how strong they are. You know, uh, I don't know. And Paul Elring is a waste of time. I mean, he adds nothing. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I don't know what to think of this match. I know Killian Dane is going to be awesome. Maybe he'll have great chemistry with Akam or Rizar or you know, whichever. I can't tell them apart either. Um, the rest of uh, you know Sanity, Nikki Cross. Look, I think. She's she's trying her best in this role. I just don't like her character. She's like a little gremlin. I know that's what they want her to do.
0: Um, I'm just not I think into she, the act. If she was on her own, I think it'd be a little bit better. The fact that it's just aligned with sanity because we're not sanity fans here. If that's if that's any big surprise uh, to you guys, I mean that that's it's just, it does nothing for me. And uh, your authors pain point. I, that's how I've always been with them. Is I think they're a team that that if they're with a team that's great, they can get to the level of that team or they can have a match that's that, that that they don't seem like they're completely out of place with that really good team or whatever. But if it's them that has to lead the the, the match or them that has to be you know equal with the other team, that there's no way that they're going to... I mean, they're not ready for that yet. These guys are still no, they're super, super green. green. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... So that's the thing is when they're against DIY, when they're against a revival, when they're against like teams like that, they do great because they can kind of be, they can be carried to a certain level, but they can't carry anybody on their own and they can't, You know, be the, the focal point of a match or whatever, and this is one that I'm really gonna have to look at and say, ah, man, I, I I don't know if this match is gonna be great. But again, don't bet on takeovers. You you mentioned that on Twitter a little bit earlier. We can come here, we can preview and be like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when it's all said and done, it's gonna be a really good show. It's always oh, yeah, yeah. Really good.
1: But never bet against takeovers because they're yeah. always awesome. And and you know, the Black Tommy match. I mean, we didn't really. Oh, that'll be it fucking to... awesome. Yeah, even though we yeah. hate
0: the booking of it, it's it's gonna be great. It'll
1: so. be twelve minutes of those guys kicking the shit out of each other. And Gargano is gonna have a good match with Almas. I think it could be almost his best match. You know, this match is the biggest question mark would I be shocked if this is a good match no I wouldn't be shocked at all if this is a good match you know but authors oh, of pain I mean they're essentially rookies so I think that people have gotten I, I pump the brakes a little with how great they are for you know people get a little out of hand I know people are excited after a great show or a great match I get it and I'm not trying to piss in your cornflakes here but I, I I just I don't know I, I just don't think that they're uh quite as awesome right at this point in their careers as people say but
0: uh, NXT women's title, and this is going to be the, the the real discussion around this one is Asuka defending her title against Ember Moon. Joe, is this the time when Asuka loses?
1: Okay, so this is the match I've kind of changed my mind on. I still think Asuka should win, but Ember Moon during you know the the build they did um, on last week's NXT was tremendous. I thought she came off better than she's ever come off. And I agree that she's ready, for, at least ready for the match now. And I won't be super annoyed if she wins. Cause I really think that was a, a hot segment. There was a bunch of hot segments that really should have been the go home. Last week's NXT was tremendous in that regard. Um, they did angles for all three title matches actually. And I thought all of them came off really well. Um, but moon especially. And I think she needed that. So I think she's coming into this match hot. Whereas if you asked me last week or the week before, I would have told you that she's not coming into the match hot at all.
0: Yeah, I'm, uh, the build has been pretty good. I, I've been enjoying it. I'm still of the mindset, though, that, that I don't want Asuka to lose. I don't know that Ember is the one right now in this build, in this moment, uh, to knock her off. If they may be thinking that the Asuka thing is getting a little long in the tooth, then I guess Moon's not a, a horrible choice, but I don't... I, I'm just—I don't know if I'm totally bought in on on Ember Moon yet. I want that when when Oscar loses, I want it to be a very obvious like this person now they run the show here in NXT. You know what I mean? Like that's yes. that's how they used to do title changes in NXT a lot, and this is how now you've built up this this really long Oscar reign. When Oscar loses, she's done. She moves up. You never see her in NXT again, and whoever beats her that now is the leader of the women's division in NXT. And I don't know that Ember Moon is is quite there just yet right now. Could she be? Absolutely, but I don't know if right now in this moment. I would do it or right now that she's ready for that spotlight right now. So I don't know. Oh, I, 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 I absolutely wouldn't do it, but I, it's not going to annoy me as much as it would have last week. Cause I think, sure. I
1: think she has come around in the build.
0: Uh, and then the main event, as you mentioned, kind of oddly built because rude and Brodick strong has probably been the better built match of the two, but uh, Drew McIntyre uh, back from obviously from the Indies and back in NXT and back in the swing of things and back in uh, main event here against Bobby rude for the NXT championship. Do you see a title change here?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we could. I mean, Rude's going to get moved up uh, at some point, and you know, I could see McIntyre winning this. Um, I, I think that Rude, for all the complaining I do, I end up liking his matches a lot more than you do. Um, I always see them as at the very good level, you know, um, just cracking four stars somewhere in that range, and I think you see them uh, several notches below.
0: Uh, very you're much just, so. Yeah.
1: yeah, you're just not into that old school world champion style that he works. Um, I do um think that I mean, it is
0: boring, lazy <laughs> shit. No, I I don't I think so. <laughs> yeah. All right,
1: listen, you're a man of strong opinions, my friend. Um, look, I, I don't think they're matching to your caliber, but I I do think that he touches the four star range with some of his defenses, and uh, um uh, you know, and they they over deliver because I don't, think, you know, he very rarely hit that level for me in TNA, um, but he 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 does hit it here for me. I thought, did you watch the Roderick Strong match? What'd you think of that one?
0: Uh, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, I, I hate Bobby. <laughs> he just yeah, does for me. Had, man. Had a lot of heat though. The fans are into it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, the problem with me in, in these big takeover ones is that people say, "Oh my God, it's awesome." He's working the guy over. He's working this over. He's doing that. But if the crowd doesn't give a shit at all are you really being a great heel champion? You didn't, you didn't like the Kent the match? No. Cause he fucking, nobody was making noise. I was there. It was like, everybody was just like, okay. Like after 10 minutes of beating a guy down and putting him in a headlock and, and working him over and working him over and working him over, if no one's buying into the, the comeback, then what are you doing? Then you're at, you're responsible for that being what it is. If you're in control of the match and you're the big time heel, that's, that's building up the baby face or whatever. You can't, have the crowd not give a fuck about the baby face. So, He'll
1: calls the match, right? Mm,
0: so, you know, but you uh, say that and people get upset because he's working a great, he's working the headlock. It's, it's good storytelling. All okay, right. Well, nobody's buying into the story. So I don't know if it's great storytelling. It's like, we talked about so, last
1: week. If the story stinks, it doesn't
0: matter if it's coherent yeah? and people aren't buying tickets to shows like they used to. So I guess, I don't know. I'm I, I, Everybody doesn't seem to get it, but some people get it. And it's you. great. That's, you know, yeah, I hear you. Um, Brand's have been colder and he's the champion. And, you know, nobody cares about a lot of the top end cards, but, you know, he's great. He's wonderful. I think it'll be a good match. Yeah, probably. McIntyre's is good. So
1: I think it'll be a good match. Um, I think it'll be a good show. Uh, listen, I think it'll be an awesome show because how can you doubt a take? Listen. You don't doubt El Dandy and you don't doubt TakeOver. No, there's right? there's
0: three matches on the show that I am all in on and I think will be really good. So uh, when you have that and and Black and Atomi is, is one that I really look at of being like that's gonna fucking rule. And then Oscar Ember Moon, they're gonna kill it too. You you know, th- those women's matches always, always, always deliver. So that's gonna be super cool to see. Uh, that and then yeah if the main event and and the tag match even you know for me i'm, I'm a little bit more people are probably gonna like the, the main event than than me but you know if that delivers to some point you're looking at yet another great match and the reason why and we're going to talk about it when we preview SummerSlam, is that when you have a compact show you don't need you only need two matches to deliver to you at the end of the time to be hey that was a really good show hey that hour and 45 minutes was well spent because those three matches were really good those three of five matches were important meant something and were really good hmm
1: well, it's a good thing we left a half hour to get through the SummerSlam show. Because <laughs> there are 12 matches on this fucking show. There's like 19 matches on the SummerFest here.
0: Yeah. Uh, do we want to call it the SummerSlam or SummerFest or what do we, you know? Oh, um, I, I like the Bret Hart, the SummerSlam. I always I always do the Bret Hart thing. Now, like I love arcade,
1: the, the, the SummerSlam.
0: SummerSlam. Yeah. I love it. on, Michael, He always said everyone's first and last name and then edited yep. the in front of everyone. Shawn the Michaels Summer. at the SummerSlam. You and I are like, Yeah, I, I yeah, like... Rick listen. Flair. <laughs> you say Rick. Like, we know who you're talking about, dude. So. It's,
1: I'm with you, though. I think Bret Hart was an excellent promo. Yeah, I don't really? know. I think people are crazy. I think he's a great promo. He's believable. He was a promo that was a, directly to what his character he was. He wasn't
0: a screaming <laughs> rah-rah rot- guy. He was business as usual or like... He you was know. a
1: cocky... Yeah. Like, he was just a cocky motherfucker. He was like a jock and he was cocky, and he was just, you know, and that's what he exuded in like his Like, he problems. kind
0: of rolled his eyes at the whole idea of all this weird shit happening around him. And he's just like, I'm better than all these people. What are you all doing? Like- and
1: he really believed he was <laughs> right. the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. And that's the way he was going to convey it to you. I'm, I'm with you, man, because it's not, you know... It, promos are about being true to your, to who your character is too, and I, I and there was you know very few people who conveyed that like Hart did. I think he's a very underrated promo, and I know you've always been very strong on that point for mm-hmm. many years, because there's people who think he was a terrible promo, and I look and he was early in his career, you know he was very oh, the Hart awkward. Foundation.
0: Hart was horrible, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, but but as a singles wrestler, he really came around, and I I always enjoyed Bret Hart's boy. They were cocky, and they were on point, and they were succinct, and they were, you know, he he was efficient with his words too, which is what I you know he didn't he just basically all of his promos were the same. He'd say the guy's name and then say he's going to kick his ass, and that's all you need out of a wrestling promo in reality, right? I mean, you just keep it simple.
0: You know, well, he's I'm, a guy that doesn't want to waste energy on this shit. He's like, "This is all dumb. I just want to go out there and beat this guy because I'm better than him."
1: Yeah, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna wear my my leather jacket like the Fonz, <laughs> right? I'm gonna put my arms out and fucking, you you know, and then I'm gonna beat this guy up. You know, I like that. And I'm kind of using his cadence now because I'm getting into it. You know, I like a, I like a good Bret Hart for a while. So let's talk about the but, Summer uh, Slam. Yeah, I don't even know where <laughs> to start because this is like, this is like the this is like the Wu Tang Clan of wrestling
0: cards. It's just oh, never ending members, twelve matches. It's like. A number of non-title singles matches that you have throughout the show. Um, just, yeah. And and this speaks this to the point I was bringing up about TakeOver, where you have five matches. Everything's got a, a somewhat succinct story, whether we like the stories or whatnot. Like, everything that you're going to watch on TakeOver is going to be important. Every match that happens is going to have some overarching thoughts. Some guy is going to move. Some guy is going to be improved. Some guy is going to be... Hold on a second, yeah. Preach. What?
1: Hold on a second. Are you telling me that Randy Orton Rusev doesn't mean something? <laughs> Is that what you're implying right now?
0: <laughs> that this demon Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt? Are you telling
1: gonna... me Randy Orton Rusev hasn't been a hot, hotly lit feud for months? Is that what you're implying, sir?
0: The bigs, the big the big match. A little shark cage on top.
1: I don't even know what the big match is on there. What is the big? Oh, it's the four-way, obviously. Which no, is be no.
0: Big Show versus Big Cass. Oh, Everyone's
1: yeah. With, with Enzo in the cage. Enzo
0: yeah. in the cage. Everyone's big.
1: So Enzo's gonna escape that cage somehow and you know, who knows what's gonna happen there. I guess we'll start with that match, huh? Big show. I guess so. so. we got ass. big
0: show, big cast, big match, big stakes, Enzo Mori in a big cage above the ring.
1: So big Cass, I mean, realistically, he should win this, right? But with the stipulation, Big Show is at the point in his career where he should be putting guys over. Why am I breaking down
0: WWE? Yeah, don't even like yeah, it just, matters. Just, I mean, why? Who you think's gonna win and move on to the next match? Why
1: am I using logic, Rich, to break down this company? I mean, we
0: we're, we're gonna talk about logic here in a little bit because yeah, we WWE, always
1: say we're WWE never lit winning.
0: logic on fire this uh, these past few weeks and and said fuck you for even thinking that you know what the hell's going on or what we're doing. So. Enzo and so that Corey, we know what you know, we're doing.
1: <laughs> he's in a fucking shark cage, and I'm trying to break this down like any of it matters. Just, can we move on to the next match? You us? know,
0: and, and, and Brian has brought this up on a recent Wrestling Observer. Like, would it stun you if Enzo drops a gimmick down to Big Cass and Enzo and Cass are heels? No. Like, it wouldn't. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, they haven't built that at all. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if it's like, oh, they're back together.
1: No. Oh, that's actually... over Big
0: Show. Like, yeah, I was like, he's, he's yeah. on to something. Because he can't just be in a shark cage and then Big Cass just wins and then just like ends up in a shark cage, you know? No,
1: no, you're right. He's, he's, that, that actually, yeah. I, I can totally see that happening. Hey, this is hour three, right? Yeah. Set up the next match. I'm grabbing a Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. I'll be right back. All right,
0: there you go. I'm not going to talk at all until he gets ready. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna see how long it takes him to get back. I don't. Wanna, I don't want him to waste a minute of Summerfest. All
1: right, what are we talking about
0: here? Uh, I didn't start anything. I, I didn't want you to miss a minute of our Summerfest preview. So I just, I just told the, the listeners that I was gonna wait for you to come back. So
1: I was hoping you blew through like three matches here.
0: <laughs> I didn't. I wanted you to wait because we sir are talking about Finn, nay, Demon Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt. They made sure on Raw to tell you that is the Demon. Finn Balor. Finn Balor said, you have demons, well, I have demons too. And then a match graphic came up, and it said the demon Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt. So, Joe, just so you know, the demon Finn Balor will be there on SummerSlam. <laughs> They're At SummerSlam, Finn Balor will not be Finn Balor. He'll be the demon Finn Balor. Unless you didn't know, now you know, and there's the graphic, and they will tell you many times that the demon Finn Balor will be there against Bray Wyatt. Eater of gimmicks, eater of worlds, eater of pushes, eater of heat, Bray Wyatt. I
1: like how the demon Finn Balor was covered in blood on Raw. Then they had an entire match, a commercial, and another segment in a commercial, and then they came back and Finn Balor was still covered in blood <laughs> in the locker room area because he did not have time to shower, Rich, because he had to see, he had to see the Emma-Mickey James match. He was fixated on his screen, of course standing off to the side, not standing in front of the screen. We all know he was standing next to the TV, and he wanted to see...
0: As we all watch TV, yeah.
1: That's right. He needed to see Emma wrestle Mickey James <laughs> in the final matchup, the rubber match of their trilogy, which they, of course, as you their know... Omega, Rich, their
0: Omega Okada-esque trilogy, yeah.
1: Their Omega Okada-esque trilogy, Rich. The first two matches on main event. I know you're a main event viewer everywhere. Oh, God,
0: yes, of course, yeah. And
1: I know you were you were glued to your set to see the, the <laughs> thrilling rubber match between Emma and Mickey James, and so was Finn Balor... Because the demon Finn Balor did not shower and he was still covered in blood when they interviewed him after that match and the two commercials that bookended that match. So uh, and when he announced that the demon would be showing up at SummerSlam. And if you're wondering, which, if you're wondering, Mickey James won the rubber match over Emma. So uh, you can delete it from your DVR. I've saved you the trouble, because I'll also tell you, Rich, it was one of the worst matches you'll see on TV all year. Yeah, I heard it was, it was horrible. horrible. Yeah, It was, it was horrendous. I think Emma's in big trouble. Um, I, it's funny, because I saw her have a takeover quality level match against uh, Bailey in Houston a couple of years ago on an NXT show, and I thought for sure they were going to have a takeover match at some point, because the matches on the house shows were so good. And, um, you know, Mickey James is a decent opponent, uh, maybe a little past her prime, but God, it was horrendous. I mean, just a terrible match. But as for the demon, Finn Balor, um, I like that they're spreading out the demon appearances. Uh, it seemed like he was doing it every match there for a while. Yeah, he was
0: coming out on Raw as the demon. And it's like, uh, okay.
1: Yeah, this Coca-Cola Zero Sugar, I got to tell you, it's no Coke Zero. But it's it all right. Ha- it's it's all right. I have to concede that it's all right. It's uh, it's definitely a step down, but it's drinkable.
0: Okay, that's all you got. Uh,
1: it's better than the Coke. I'm never gonna drink the full flavor Coke again, but it, it's it's better than that. Um, but it's no Coke. I'm gonna miss the Coke Zero. I'm I'm rationing though. I still have like five or six cases. I still buy one every time so you're I find mix one. it in.
0: Mix it in a little bit.
1: Yes, I mix it in a little bit. Like I'm not concentrating on a delicious beverage when I'm doing the show, so I can have the less delicious beverage. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. It it. I'm just right now. I'm just keeping my throat wet so I continue to communicate, because I've been sick moist. for two Moist. You want to keep
0: your throat moist for the rest of the show.
1: Moist. I need a nice, moist throat, you know, because um, I've been sick for two weeks, and uh, so I'll use the, uh, you know, zero sugar gimmick. Not the flu, though. I've never had the flu. Just like our president, I've never had the flu. So, um, But, see, I'm telling the truth, and he's lying. But I'm telling the truth. I've never had the flu. But the, the Coke zero sugar is uh, keeping the throat moist.
0: Uh, who's going to win this Demon Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt?
1: I, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what do you want from me here, man?
0: Darwin I, I, and Sheamus, WWE Tag Team Championships, uh, defend their titles against the newly reunited Shield, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. Roman Reigns uh, apparently was never in the Shield, and we're never going to mention him being in the Shield ever again because the Shield is reunited, Joe, Dean well, Ambrose, and Seth Rollins.
1: And that's the thing. Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins were the tag team. <laughs> And Dean Ambrose was the single star I don't know. with one of the longest United States title reigns in history. But I will tell you, though, we're picking on it, but it was a good segment.
0: No, it, it, everything that they've done has been pretty fine. But yeah, it's, it's just kind of funny. It's just like, let's never, ever mention Roman Reigns' name and because he's he's got something else to do. So he oh, can't sure. be bothered to fuck around with these two guys. You might
1: confuse the audience, Rich. You know, <laughs> we're all simpletons. If we say that he was in The Shield, we're, we're going to be like, now, wait a minute. He's in the four-way ma- I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> no, what is he doing? I, I have is he in the tag match or is else, he going for the title? I don't know. much for me. I, I, can't, I can't keep all this together. So, you know, we're all dumb. You know
0: that. Well, is, uh, is Dean, or is Dean and, uh, and Seth, the newly reunited Shield, the Shield finally back together, are they going to win the titles here?
1: Um, yeah, why the hell not? What else are they doing? You having a dog issue there, Rich? Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't know what this dog's doing. He's being weird. But <laughs> there we go. We're I'm back now. Uh, he just keeps crying. I don't know what the hell he's crying about. What are you doing? I don't All right. Um, I don't think he's in any danger. I don't know what he's. In. Maybe he's, it's, it is very hot in this room. Maybe he is in danger. And I, uh, I have over. There are three. There are two. One human and two dogs in this room, and that might be over capacity. So I'll have to check with the building code. I'm calling right. the
1: fire marshal.
0: You do it. <laughs> Let him know. I'm calling
1: the fire marshal. I'm getting it shut down.
0: Only one vent here too. It's not even a great vent. Uh,
1: Proper ventilation. Do, you, do, your, uh, do your carbon monoxide alarms work?
0: They do. They, that I can confirm. I did just discover that. Uh, I think for as long as we've been living here, uh, there's like a uh, the smoke detector in our laundry room, you know, above the, the dryer uh, was not working, and I no. uh, that's it. I'm going to narc you out. <laughs> you really should. That was pretty bad of me. Um, you I, you know, can I tell you a secret? It won't be a secret
1: anymore now that tens of thousands. of I'm people guessing none
0: work. of your smoke detectors work, right?
1: No, actually, um, you know when the battery dies and you get the Dave Meltzer noise over and over. Remember when <laughs> Dave Meltzer had that going on for like seven <laughs> months?
0: Fucking battery back. <laughs> it was like, hey, we're, just we're fucking like, unplug it, or
1: charge it. Every, something. every thread for Wrestling Observer Radio, we're like Dave, change your battery, <laughs> right? Or just for the love it. of God, change the fucking battery. <laughs> yeah, every fucking ten seconds. <laughs> Like, how did he even live in that home? I don't know. How did he sleep? How did Dave Meltzer sleep? He's got children. How did his children sleep? How did his wife put up with that? At what point does the wife say, Dave, here is a nine-volt battery. Change the (laughs) fucking battery in the fucking smoke alarm. I mean, come on. So anyway all of my batteries and my smoke alarms died on like the same day. So I have like six smoke alarms in the house. Right. And they were all beeping and I didn't have any batteries. So you would think that I would just gently unscrew the unit, pull the
0: dead battery out. Right. No, I did things. Oh, okay. I was ruined mine when I tried to replace the battery. But then they kept beeping. So now I'm like,
1: this thing's fucking possessed or demented or something. Right. I can't live. There's like, you heard Dave, You know how annoying Dave's was. Just, <laughs>
0: you had like five going. At the I had stuff. like
1: six of them, right? <laughs> and I was going crazy. It was like a scene. It was like having a bad trip in a movie, or a scene or something. You know. And I'm like, what the fuck? The batteries are in my hands. The smoke detectors are still beeping. So, Rich, I went room by room and just yanked them out of the wall, like wires and all, like just to get them to stop. And um, now none of them work because they all got to be like rewired and everything. So, if you hate me. The best way to knock me off is to set my house on fire. But do me a favor. Do me a favor. Come in through the back door like that assailant attempted the other day and don't kill my dogs. Just let the dogs out. Let them into the yard if you're going to set my house on fire and kill me because none of my smoke detectors work. Yeah, me. I would never kill them. I mean, yeah.
0: I'm not talking anybody.
1: to you. I'm talking to my enemies. Oh, I thought you were
0: talking to me. I was like, why the hell am I burning your now house? i got to
1: worry okay. about you. You're going to kill no, me? Oh, no, no.
0: I don't know. I have Wednesdays and Thursdays open again, which would be pretty cool. but. um John Cena versus Baron Corbin, a match that had significance that maybe doesn't have as much significance now, or maybe it has more significance. Joe, no, I
1: don't know. I still think it has significance. I mean, I think, you know, Corbin obviously lost his briefcase by being schoolboyed by Jinder Mahal.
0: And everybody wants us to be outraged, but I think Baron Corbin fucking sucks, so it doesn't really, I don't really care. No,
1: like, Baron Corbin fucking like, Everyone's st- like, oh, what do
0: you think? And I'm like, ah, Baron Corbin blows, and I don't care. <laughs> like,
1: I-, I think Baron Corbin stinks.
0: And I makes think someone the- realized, wait a minute, I- why are we pushing Baron Corbin? He fucking sucks, and he looks like a dumpy little... Dick like, what are we doing here? Let's get the yeah. case off this guy. Like, what are we? What
1: were we thinking? Well, okay. Well, the good news is, if you are a Baron Corbin fan, and those do exist, Rich.
0: Big banter, big banter, Baron. Yeah.
1: A lot of them listen to this show. Um, I don't think that that's indic- indicative necessarily of a burial because he could beat John Cena on this show. Um, as sort of a measure of revenge, because remember it was John Cena who hopped on the apron, distracting. <laughs> I have to punch yeah. you. I have to
0: punch you. Why are you near me? I must punch you. Right. And and then Jinder with... A, I can't with focus the on two things at once. What are you doing? Out of my eyesight, then, please. Uh,
1: I think the best part of that whole thing was that Jinder and Corbin managed to nearly botch the schoolboy spot. <laughs> <laughs> Jinder schoolboy. It, like it was a shitty
0: schoolboy.
1: And he couldn't hold it's his shoulders down. for
0: wrestling.
1: <laughs> and it's a schoolboy spot. It's like the most... Okay, Rich. Rich, I am fully <laughs> confident that Joe Lanza and Rich Crage can successfully pull up
0: a <laughs> oh, schoolboy spot. Yeah.
1: But you know, with the with better, you know, results than what we saw with these two guys. I mean, they nearly botched a schoolboy spot. <laughs> it is so they had bad. a
0: sixteen second match and nearly fucked it up. It's, it's
1: yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Jinder Mahal and Baron Corbin had an